Crusaders and welcome to another edition of Batman, the animated series podcast. I'm your host, Alex Robson, and with me, as always, is my co-host, my brother, comic book artist and writer, and the guy who already needs a dunk in the Lazarus pit at age 33. It's Mr. Will Robson. Say hello, Will. Oh, yeah, that could, that could solve a few problems I got. How's that Lazarus work on a bad back? Huh? L- lower back pain, huh? Lazarus Good for psoriasis, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your little swimming pool could be the Lazarus pit in your in your garden. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and when we say swimming pool, we're talking about a twenty pound inflatable paddling pool. That's yes. not a real swimming pool. I mean, that would be amazing. I have the same thing, but I would also like a Lazarus pit because my dicky knee is is being a right dick. <laughs> are you still are you still having knee problems? It's slowly healing. It's taken a while, but it's okay, slowly as long healing. as it is healing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dicky knee. Oh, I'm sorry. In your 36 years of life, the only problem you've had recently is just a duff knee for like a week, for Christ's sake. Well, I'm over here with permanent psoriasis, permanent bad back pain. You really uh, do need the Lazarus bit. Permanent dandruff that can't be dealt with. And do I, I know wrestlers will be like, have you tried this and that? I've tried it all. I've gone to the doctors. I take medicinal stuff. Rachel None of it works. Rachel goes like, hello, William. Would you like to take a dip in my Lazarus pit? Like, fuck yeah, buddy, because I have so many incurable diseases. Not diseases, but ailments. Every time I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like, there's something on my elbow. Like, what the hell is that? Then I go to the doctor and they're like, yeah, you've got that for life now. <laughs> like, it's never just like, here's a cream, this will solve it. It's like, oh, as a child, I was like, oh, I've got dandruff. I can't get rid of it with normal shampoo. And the doctor's like, yeah, you have dandruff for life. Like, you are, you're a lifer. So I'm life sorry, Will, but I can't help you today, detective. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my lower back, they're like, yeah, you got that for life. Like, everything I get is fucking incurable. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> I'm going to take a dip in my Lazarus pit now, but you're a lost cause. <laughs> but there is side effects to Lazarus pit. It makes you go crazy, though, doesn't it? Yeah, but I'd rather be super healthy and crazy for like 10 minutes because he's fine after like a bit, isn't he? He's back to being like, I'm yeah, going to rule the world. They are always like fine after. He's not like yeah. just running around like, <laughs> I'm a crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So 10 minutes of crazy. I'm good with that. I get 10 minutes of crazy every day, so I'm fine. Yeah, it's like your dog having a mad moment. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So today we have director Kevin Altieri on the show who directed episodes like On Leather Wings, Cat in the Claw Part 1, The Last Laugh, Eternal Youth, Two-Face Parts 1 and 2, Night of the Ninja, Feet of Clay Part 2, POV, The Mechanic, Bane, Heart of Steel Parts 1 and 2, Off Balance, The Demon's Quest Parts 1 and 2. That's why I bring up Raish because he will be known as the Raish guy once we get to the interview. Avatar, Harley Quinnade, Harley's Holiday, Deep Freeze and Showdown. So yeah, really excited to dive into that with my interview with Kevin Altieri. But first, buddy, how is the art life going for you? I've started drawing my creator-owned comic at IDW. I know. I'm writing, drawing, I created the bloody thing, everything. It's very exciting. So can you reveal anything about the story yet or no? No. The only thing I can do is, and this was all made very clear to me through contracts and emails and stuff, I can do emojis to represent the title of the book, which I've been doing. Um, Oh. And I can show art that doesn't give away anything that has to do with story or anything like that. So, Which you've done. Yeah, which that's all I can do for now. But it's fun to tease it and show that it's going like, 
it's pretty awesome like that i this is happening now i've spent years trying to get uh, one of my stories picked up by a publisher um and it's finally happened which is awesome but i on the other side of things i've got outbreaks going on kickstarter and all that and self-publishing is so rewarding in itself because it's all on you like you don't have to worry about editors you don't have to worry about pleasing this that and the other you know maybe a publisher wants you to change a certain part of your story because this that some other books coming out etc none of that you can just create whatever the fuck you want whatever the hell is on your mind you can just create it and i love that so outbreaks is going really great i just filled out everybody's digital rewards so everyone has a digital copy of the book now uh i've uploaded the book to comicsology on amazon Hell so you yeah. can buy the book on Amazon, and if you use Global Comics, which is kind of like the new comicsology in town, you can get Outbreaks on there as well, baby. Uh, I'm not selling it on my store directly because my website said, hey, you want to sell stuff? Uh, you need to give us an extra £150 a year. Oh. I said, go fuck yourself. So if you want to <laughs> buy the book right now, <laughs> you can either personally message me and I'll send you a, a PDF or uh, you can buy it on Amazon or on Global Comics. And those two both have the cool reader thing when you swipe and it goes like from panel to panel and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you showed it to me immediately when you said it's on Comicsology. I went straight on there, got it, downloaded it, and I had a great time. I love that dynamic panel, whatever yeah, it's yeah. called, the way it moves. And you got to design that, didn't you? Which I never knew that the I creator did. gets to do, or at least they have the option and to do that. It was fun as hell. Yeah. It's like you <laughs> being a little director on your storyboards. Yes. it's it, You turn it into a movie. It's really fun. And the Global Comics has it as well. Like I, I had to awesome. make another one, but I made it for that as well. So really fun. Uh, I think it's selling for four ninety nine wherever you live. So if you're in America, it's $4.99. If you're in England, it's £4.99, gotcha. et cetera. Uh, if you buy it on Amazon, I only make 30% because Amazon are greedy. So I recommend buying on Global Comics where I make 70%. Absolutely. Be and they'll absolutely be absolutely uh, honest and upfront about that. Yeah. And I'll put the links in the description of this episode. So if you guys are interested, Comicsology or Global Comics, you can click on those links and purchase the book. I mean, if you oh, didn't yeah. go through the Kickstarter, that's totally fine. But um, buying the book, it, it's just, it's a great read, man. I really enjoyed it. Can't wait for issue two when you launch that in September. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped to yeah. to read more outbreaks and really enjoyed reading it digitally as well. I love having the physical copy, but digitally for me that dynamic movement that just it's an extra added like bit of flavor for me. Where I'm like, oh, I like me too. This. Yeah. I 100% agree, and thank you. Yeah, so issue two is launching September 1st on Kickstarter, issues one through two. So if you need to get caught up in the series, you want some print copies, or you want the digital PDF. That's where you're going to get it, baby. And all that money goes directly to me, except for Kickstarter that takes a little bit of a bump. But that is the best place because that money directly funds the making of the book. So thank you very much for everybody that has backed it. I know a lot of listeners of this podcast have backed the first campaign, and I cannot thank you enough. And bring on issue two, baby. Hell yeah. uh, When can you talk about IDW, like what the plot is and the name of the book? I think I have to kind of wait for them to give me the go-ahead for that. I mean, I don't think the book's going to be out until, like, April or May of next year. And that's when I finish drawing the whole oh, thing. Right. Okay. So we'll we'll see. I have no idea. Like, I, I mean, that it's such in early stages. Like, we spent over – we spent nearly two years – yeah. getting the story together. Because we kept this quiet process. for so long, and I've been like, yeah. oh, I can't wait to talk about it. 
took like two years to finally get the story together. Uh, I've been writing the scripts. Those need to be approved. But I've just started drawing and I've in my contract, I've made it so that uh, I'm only drawing like at half the speed that I usually do so I can make the art as good as I can possibly make it. Yeah. And so that I won't go insane from deadline pressure because this business has gotten to me over the years. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I mean, like, it's also been, as you said, many years in the making. And I remember when this story was like just a germ of an idea and you were like, kind of like, what do you think about this? And we're just chatting about it. And then you went off and you created this really cool story that I I can't wait to see unfold in the comics. But um, what I'm most excited about is like the prospects for you, if anything happens. I mean, obviously you want the book to sell, but Mm -hmm. Because it's creator owned, as far as you're, you know, it's along with IDW, but because you're the writer and you're the artist, you get more if sales are high, correct? Yeah, I, I, I own the majority percentage of, of the book. IDW has first rights of printing for the next like 15 to 20 years. They have, uh, they're fully included in like the adaptation process. They will actually go out and try and turn it into like a movie or a TV show or something like that. Awesome. They, ha- they have uh, quarterly meetings with, with Netflix, I believe, where they discuss their properties and things like that. So it will be, at one point, Netflix will take a look at my book to see if they want to turn That's... it into a fucking TV show. That's insane. It's insane. Insane. I love like, that, that so will much. That will happen at some point. Um, whether or not it will be turned into something, I have no idea, but... I'm not focused on that right now. I'm just focused on making a really good fucking comic book. Absolutely. That's what I want to do. Yeah. No, I, I think that's the best place to have your headspace be. But, um, yeah, I think all of the prospects and the possibilities are exciting, you know, and we'll, we'll have that, to That happens. pressure doesn't keep me up at night at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into our interview with Kevin Ortieri, the director of so many episodes of Batman, the animated series. Will couldn't make this interview due to pressures and deadlines. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll obviously dive right into this now. He's going to go over some amazing stuff. So without further ado, here is Kevin Ortieri. Cape Crusaders, please join me in welcoming a very special guest to our show. He's directed 22 episodes of Batman, the animated series, which were, here we go, The Cat and the Claw, Part 1, On Leather Wings, Feet of Clay, Part 2, POV, The Clock King, The Last Laugh, Eternal Youth, Two-Face, Parts 1 and 2, Night of the Ninja, Heart of Steel, Parts 1 and 2, Off Balance, The Mechanic, The Demon's Quest, Parts 1 and 2, Avatar, Harley Quinade, Bane, Harley's Holiday, Deep Freeze, and Showdown, as well as a sequence director on Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Please join me in welcoming Kevin Altieri to the show. Kevin, how are you today? I'm doing fine, thanks. That was a lot of episodes I had to go through there, so... uh... Any of those, any of those when you just heard those, just jog fond memories for you? Yeah, I mean, of course, most of them, I mean, I, I, I love doing all of them. And then that's not saying there there wasn't struggle and uh, anguish that goes along with making cartoons, but <laughs> right. it, it's what we do. And um, doing Batman was kind of like a fruition for, you know, like it was something that I've always wanted to do since I was a little kid. You know? So, okay, that leads me straight into my first question then is I assumed like most people that worked on the show were fans of Batman, but what was your introduction to Batman? Um, was it through comics or was it through like Batman 66? 
Oh, uh, comics. Yeah. Mostly. I remember like when I was a little kid, uh, I, I grew up in Connecticut, but my family, you know, is, is in Maine. So like we do these long road trips and I remember my, uh, we stopped at a holiday inn or one of these places and, and I was able to buy a little paperback book of Batman, which had the Bob Kane Batmans, the origin it was in black and white. It was a little paperback book, but it had all the classic Batmans from the golden age, you know, starting with, uh, Bill Finger, Bob Kane, yeah, Jeff Robeson stories, you know, the Joker origin, all that stuff, you know, it, it was just classic Batman. And that was kind of my introduction. I just, I just became obsessed with Batman. And then of course the Adam West series came out like the next year. And, uh, I was blew crazy. The, blew the world open. Yeah. Yeah. But then as I got older, of course, you know, I loved Batman, but then Neil Adams, and Denny O'Neill took over Batman, and uh, that's my Batman. Right. You know? Okay. Which uh, will definitely lead me to uh, now understanding why you were the race guy for this show. Uh, I was probably thirteen, maybe thirteen, when um, the racial ghoul story showed up. And for whatever reason, even young—I mean, I was trying to be an artist, you know—but I'm, but I'm just a kid. But I want to do that as an animated feature. I don't know why that really hit me, that storyline. Rachel Gould is just such a cool character. It, he wasn't like a he wasn't like a monster villain like most of the villains are or mm. were at that time. You know, he was like Moriarty. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's just such a he's just, he's just like the personification of the cool villain to me. Yeah, total rival for for Batman for sure. Yeah, and Batman's true love, Talia. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, so you loved Raish, um, and that was your yeah. version of Batman. So, yeah, you direct the first episode, which featured Raish, even though it was a little cameo, was off balance. So, you directed yeah. that. Um, so, how was the approach to you being the Raish guy? Like, where did were you fighting <laughs> for that, or were they like, give this to Kevin because well, he I. The, the when Bruce, I mean, I'd known Bruce from uh, working at Deke, and just as a little backstory, in the eighties, we were doing. I was, I was my first animation job, and I worked up to being director over at uh, Deke in uh, Ventura, California, Ventura, off of Ventura Boulevard in Studio City, California, and that was like my first job in animation, and that's where me, Brad Rader, and Dan Reba. You know, we all got, that's where we met. And uh, Mike Gogan, you know, all these people ended up on Batman. Right. Mark Wallace. And the thing is, is like, especially me, Brad and Dan, we like bonded there. And we were like trying to do good cartoons all this time. And then after the Deke thing ended, and I was at Disney Features for a while on uh, Lion King and Treasure Planet. And then I was doing comics for TSR. I was doing like their Buck Rogers comic. Oh, nice. And then from there, um, I got the call to come over and uh, talk to Bruce about a new Batman. And I thought it was going to be a silly, you know, pity cartoon. Yeah, Batman. like Super Friends, right? Yeah, I thought it was going to be, you know, because it's like, yeah, they're doing Tiny Toons. I love Tiny Toons, but it's goofy. You yeah. know, it's goofy yeah. cartoons. And Tiny Toons is great, but it's like, you know, it's comedic. So I'm like, well, I think they're just going to do another Saturday morning cartoon. Of course, when I go and interview with Bruce and Eric, 
<laughs> they showed me that trailer that they had done. Yeah, yeah. To sell it, that original bit. And I was like, oh my God, these guys are, they want to do Fleischer Superman. Me, Dan Reba, and Brad had these really crummy VHS tapes where we, we would study Fleischer Supermans. Because back then, that's all you could get was like this right. bootleg tape, you know, that and it was amazing that that even existed because you never got to see him. And we just studied and studied Fleischer Superman. And it's like, oh, my God. So me, Dan and Brad coming in on the very first episode on Leather Wings was kind of like, you know, we were determined to uh, make this really happen. You just mentioned on Leather Wings, and oh, I think we'll get to Raish uh, again yeah. uh, after, well, after we ask. Well, I did, <laughs> on Leather Wings, man, I have to tell you because you mentioned that. So, yeah. first of all, first episode of the show. So, I imagine immense pressure, or at least some, because it's a new show. It's a completely different looking show. It means a lot to you guys, obviously, just from the passion you were talking about when uh, seeing the trailer for the first time and Fleischer Superman. But just on a personal level, as a child, there I had a bunch of Batman episodes that were just like compiled on VHS tapes, right? There was like a Poison Ivy one. There was like a Robin one, a Riddler one. And then there was a Batman one. And on the Batman one I had was on Leather Wings. My grandmother had it, so I would watch the hell out of that tape. I think I'd probably watch that tape at least four or five times in my visit to see my grandmother every time I went. Mm -hmm. And on Leather Wings, when the Man Bat transforms, still wow. to this day scares the utter shit out of me because, yeah, I'm sure that's the goal, um, because you guys didn't stray away, but it's the, it's the laughter, it's the, like, the, the transformation. And even we've discovered, my brother and I, I have a phobia that started with this episode of transforming into a monster. Like, I don't <laughs> like those types of movies, like District 9, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but yeah, this guy that's yeah, turning... So yeah. all of that makes me uncomfortable. And and The Fly, obviously, that's another one that makes me uncomfortable. But it, we've determined that it starts with On Leather Wings. So I finally now can tell you to your face, fuck you, Kevin, because <laughs> that scares yeah. the shit out of me. Yeah, no, that's stuff. When I was a kid, that's the, that's the kind of crap that got me. Like, you know, the Johnny Quest cartoons, you right. know, like Sea Haunt and uh, The Invisible Monster. You know, those uh, that those episodes, you know, stuck with me to this day. Um, and that was kind of like, well, you know, here it comes, kids. And I, I, I storyboarded. I made sure I storyboarded and I did the layouts for that myself. Wow. You know? And uh, because it's like I, I read the script that Mitch Bryan wrote. And it was the first thing I read. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm like, again, I'm still hesitant because some of the writing at that time was like Christmas with the Joker. Very goofy. Yeah, sure. Very, very different. Yeah. And I was afraid, but I read that Bruce gave me that script and I read it and I go, it's got the transformation in it. I gotta do this. <laughs> He's laughing evil maniacally. It's, it's like, I gotta do this. It's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, right? It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. But um, and a total new villain that no one's ever seen before outside of the comics, and very rare yeah. that you see him in the comics as well. I was I was actually shocked that they went 
Man Bat? Yeah, and not Joker or something like that. Yeah. And it actually that actually helped us with the broadcast standards too, because we wanted to set like a an example of like, you know, this is action. And at that time, especially at that time, broadcast standards was really down on cartoons. You know, they had to be super friends. Yeah. Was they thought super friends was just fine, you know, for violence. But by it being man bat, now that is something that Batman can fight because we had like, it's a monster. It's not a guy. It's a monster. He can't hold back. You know, it's like, so we actually really, as a breaking in of what Batman can do, that was actually a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, next to that, uh, like a robot is the only other thing you could kind of beat the crap out yeah. of, right? Like that. And that's, yeah. And it's it's such a brilliant and refreshing choice, like to start off the show like that. And you establish so much in that episode. Um, you establish, you know, not only what your Batman sounds like and looks like, but the Batcave, the Batmobile, Gotham, yeah. Commissioner Gordon and like Bullock and all of those characters. You even have a little cameo from Harvey Denton there. And there's so much in that episode. And obviously the odes to year one with the SWAT team coming in and, you know, trying to get mm-hmm. him out of the building. And having seen it a million times and just reviewing it again recently for the show uh, for the 30th anniversary last year, it it is no, like I watch it and I'm like, it is no surprise to me that this caught everyone's attention. Granted, it was not the first one that actually aired. It was another one of your episodes, The Cat and the Claw Part 1, that was the one that aired. Yeah, that aired aired first. Yeah, Um, and that's all Batman Returns, right? Then that was the whole reason that they did that with like Catwoman and all of that. I get that. But On Leather Wings, that's the episode that I think just like grabbed everyone and was like, this is this is dark. This is different. This is artistic. Yeah. It's got style. Oh. Yeah, I absolutely adore that. Um, yeah, no, we 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 um, we worked. We worked very hard on that one for I mean, and it wasn't like, you know, well, again, I keep talking about, you know, me, Brad and Dan, because it's like, you know, we were really on that first episode. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, it was really fruition. And then the weird thing is like at that time, very, very few people in the animation industry at that time could do like that superhero style. Cause everyone had been doing high style, like Disney was doing gummy bears and things like that, but that really wasn't appropriate for this. This right. was like, we had a whole layout crew that was on hand. And the thing is what happened is before the show was shipped, it was really hard to find like these veterans. There was a lot of people who had been in the animation industry for 20 years and were doing layouts for us. And we're just like, no, we got to redraw all of this stuff, you know, because we're really going for that style. Yeah. And I mean, uh, so with the storyboarding process on Leather Wings, what's things that pop out into your mind? Because we just had Dan Rebron, as I mentioned to you off pod, and you mentioned Dan a few times already. He showed us the early designs of Mambat that he was like sketching up, which were amazing. So with you guys, you know, behind the scenes on that episode, what are things that pop into your mind when creating that episode? Well, I mean, even stuff like, I mean, there was a lot of joy and when as we're coming up and because we go like okay we got to do the bat cave before anyone else right so and you'll see the bat cave does change episode to episode yeah it does yeah but we do things like no there's a tunnel 
So, of course, the Batmobile is on a turntable. So it drives in, and then the turntable, like a train, it turns it around. Of course, right. the thing's as long as a dragster, so that actually helps. <laughs> but just the interior of that, and like the, doing stuff like the drawbridge, you know, which yeah. we took completely, completely uh, homage to the Bulleteers, Fleischer Supermans. You yeah, know, that's true. It's a very much looking like the doors in the in that show as well. Yeah. yeah. But if you're going to have a hidden, if you have tons of money and you're going to have a hidden door, mm-hmm. I mean, the Batman 66 show just has like some grass in front of a tunnel. Yeah. And I think and Batman 89 has like a projection of a wall, but it's yeah. like it's fake. No, yeah. I love the actual door. Bridge. Yeah. Drawbridge is wicked. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But doing stuff like that, you know, like we're coming up with how Batman moves around and stuff, like the grappling gun, you know? Yeah, there's Brad, so like, much in that episode, man. Yeah, Brad's going like, you know, he's storyboarding this and we'd have discussions and Brad's like, what, you know? So he's, you know, it's like there's the pharmaceutical company, you know, it's like, how's he get over there? And it's like, well, you know, does he throw a grappling hook or, you know, and then Brad just has him raise something, you know, and you know, we talk about it and, well, we'll just press a trigger like a gun and, you know. <laughs> and it's even the folly, like the sound design on this show. Like oh, the, fo- yeah. the folly of the grapple gun is what is just something that instantly, like, if I heard that, I would know exactly what that noise is. It's so specific to that weapon or gadget. Yeah, yeah it, all of that is is in, in this first episode. You really did set the, the tone right off the, the bat, no pun intended, but... Yeah, it was. It's an amazing episode. Um, there's a particular sequence I wanted to talk to you about, where when Batman is hanging on onto like Man Bat's leg on a rope, basically, oh, yeah. and he's flying around Gotham, which is a great sequence. There's a sequence where the Man Bat flies over the uh, the giant blimp, and yes. the ca- and the camera follows. Yes, I had no right to actually. Ch- make the animation studio do that right because you never see something like that ever again in this show that much that much like integrated action and animation yeah 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 no it's like that's the kind of thing that doing a show on a budget and believe it or not batman was on a budget (laughs) of course they were on a tight budget yeah on the time schedule especially episode Um, one right like no one knows how big it's gonna be um but gene mccurdy actually gave more time to that episode you know when they saw the storyboard and how it's coming out and stuff and they're doing you know other episodes at the same time but you know that was about the time when they had the schism where they this was when they went out and hired alan burnett um and and replaced uh the original story editor yeah because just to make sure that this is the path we're going down and alan burnett could nail it you know it was i mean i get the decision and like the earlier episodes that sean catherine derrick was um the the head story editor of have they have some good qualities to them and we've just reviewed a lot of them recently but i i can see why the change was needed because of where she was leading the show and it was just not aligned with obviously what yeah. everyone else was seeing, and that that happens, and there's nothing wrong with that. And then Alan came along and yeah. starts off with like, "Hey, I've got this great thing yeah. called Two Face Story," you know, oh. parts one and two. Uh, I mean, what like what I did was, you do when they that came across your desk? Oh, that was like, um, I mean, I'm sitting there, and it's like 
I had arguments with, you know, about the scripts and stuff, and I was changing scripts, you know, I was doing things to them to try and up, make them more film noir, you know, sure. Bruce, me, Eric, you know, we're like, we're doing Hitchcock in animation. And I showed man, it really and did. The, and the scripts that we were getting were like Saturday morning. Right. Like, uh, I mean, as much as it has its qualities, we've discovered, but like the yeah. under, underdwellers, right? Like not your typical one. Or I've got oh. Batman in my basement again, not yeah. your typical Batman story. That, that was that was where the, it was going to go. But a Gene McCurdy and Tom Ruger, you know, Warner Brothers in general, they they said now they kind of pulled everything back. Said we're starting over. We're bringing this guy, Alan Burnett. And uh <laughs> And I'm like, oh, good. What's he done? Well, he's worked on Super Friends, and he was doing, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck and this and that, and you know. And I'm like, oh God, here we go again. <laughs> and they give me the script, and it's like, you're gonna do this one, Kevin. You know. And I'm like, we're bringing in this guy, and you know, be respectful. He's, you know, he's gonna be a producer and story, a head story editor. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't know who Randy was, Randy Rogel. Mm-hmm. So I get this written by Alan Burnett, Randy Rogel, Two-Face. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay. And I'm reading it and I go, my God, this is the best script I have ever read since I started working in animation. It is. I mean, part one it's especially awesome. is, is amazing. It's absolutely awesome incredible. Awesome script. And it's like, there's things that we did to it that were different than the script where you go off script. Um, But I really, you always do that. But in that particular one, the only thing I think we did was I had things happen in thunderstorms. We threw in atmosphere, rain. We did. We it's so up. funny that you say that because we've just had Marty Eisenberg on not too long ago as well. And he mentioned that as writers, after they saw that episode, if they were writing anything with rain sequence, they'd be like, can we get some of that Two-Face Part 2 rain? Can we get that rain? Because they loved it so much, right? And that yeah. rain in particular is just so, like, it's lashing down and it's it's really well I, animated. I ended up, that was the, the second part. The first part was TMS. The second part was um, actually Sunmin Animation. And yep. I became very good friends with uh, people at uh, Sunmin in later years. They did Gen 13 and stuff with me. Okay. And I, I asked the, the president, you know, I said, so how did you do that rain sequence? And he said, well, it was monsoon season, you know, when we were doing the job. So... And I was actually at the studio and it was kind of this rickety stairs going up to the third floor, you know, and it was like one of those overhead lights. And he said, all they did was that they took like a 16 millimeter camera and filmed outside the window. So the light, the overhead light was just hitting the rain. So they just shot that and then copied it. No way. Wow. Yeah. And it's like just very simple, but it's like, and they just did a cycle of that reflected light on pouring rain that was just done, you know, outside their door, <laughs> you know. That's amazing. It's, it's incredibly good. It's incredibly, yeah, it is. Yeah, they, they used it for everything. They they kept, you know, going back to that particular yeah. rain effect. Yeah, it's so effective. And just the story in general, I mean, you know, uh, like being a fan of Batman – 
um, at a young age, there there wasn't a lot of Two Face, and I feel like this this show, especially Alan's treatment and Randy's script, it just and Richard Mall and Richard Mall as Two Face. Oh my god! I know it's just a brilliant choice. The only thing that I think really that I changed from the script, which wasn't much of a change. But I had the very ending. It was just something that I wanted to do, so I boarded it. It was probably one of the fastest boards I'd ever done, that section, the end. And, like, where he said, give me a mirror, you know? It's like the thing I had him run out into the hallway, you know, as yeah. Grace is showing up with flowers, and he just, you know, and as the... So was, that wasn't in the script. That was the not change. like that. See, that's right. the kind of thing we did. And then, and then you end the show with the windows now open and the rain coming in through the open window. And the, that's the kind of stuff that as a director and as an art, a storyboard artist, that's kind of like what we did on that script. Right. Okay. But that script was so good. So tight. Yeah. That you just, there wasn't really, you don't, there was nothing that I changed. Atmospheric moments. That's about it. Yeah, I put, you mentioned the the mirror scene, and I forgot to ask Randy this actually, um, and maybe you'll know the answer. Maybe the writer, only the writer will. But that's that's Batman eighty nine, right? Like that's what you guys were going for with that mirror scene because it's very much Nicholson when he's the Joker, and he's like, you know, he's in the bandages, he's looking in the mirror, he's saying, "Give me the mirror to the doctor," and the doctor's like, "You have to understand, there's going to yeah. be some scarring." Yeah, I think you'd have to ask Randy that one. Yeah, you know? I should have asked that. I'll, I'll have to message him but and it's, ask him. It's so good, but it, it's more what we were doing is like we were we were actually doing Alfred Hitchcock more than anything. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I know Burton was the the sort of the spark that you know liked oh, yeah. the fuse, um, but it wasn't. You know, obviously there's some musical um, influence as well with Shirley Walker stuff, being that she was with oh, Danny yeah. Elfman and. Uh, I mean, that's another thing that I don't get to talk much with our guests is the music as well. Like your music in, on Leather Wings and, and Two-Face, all of the episodes that you directed, plus uh, so many others, is just amazing. Yeah. It was Two-Face, actually, yeah, just keep on going with Two-Face. I was sitting there, uh, you know, I was working, I don't know which episode it was, but, you know, like the music happens when the when the film comes back. Yeah. You know, and after... You know, so after the film comes back, Two-Face came back, Two-Face Part 1 came back. And, and, and you know, we were just blown away by how good TMS did, you know. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there working on another episode and Bruce comes in and says, hey, Shirley uh, wants us down at the, down at the lot. You know, because our offices weren't on the lot. We were like down in Sherman Oaks and the lot was in Burbank. So it's the classic lot, you know, and we go in there. And uh, Shirley wanted to wanted our opinion on something for uh, Two Face, you know. So me and Bruce go over there, and we we walk in, and there's this big, huge sound studio, 35, 40 piece orchestra, and Shirley says, "Oh, good, you're here. I wanted to ask you a question. I need your opinion on something." Okay, all right, everyone, you know, you know places, and it's like tick, 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 tick. Two Face comes up. Da, 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 music just incredible music you know and then da, da, boom. and then Shirley turns to us and goes so what do you think I you know do you think that and Bruce and I are just our mouths are just hanging open 
yeah. more just like that was the most wonderful thing I've ever seen in my whole life. It's like <laughs> I, I can't believe I can't believe what you've done. You know, it's like right. yeah, it sounds great. No, no, seriously, this is Shirley. Seriously, <laughs> no, I really need your opinion. That's don't all change I'm, a thing. Yeah, it's like I I don't even know what. Oh, I don't even know what I could say. It was just blown away. I've never had. Uh, I've worked with a lot of good musicians, but that was. Yeah, she was. That was over the. That was over the top, and I wish yeah. everyone out there, all the audiences, could have could share those moments because it's like anytime you got an orchestra with this great conductor, and your work is being projected, such a great thing. And it's like, yeah, Warner Brothers, we did that. And it was it was all part of the job. Yeah, it's. It, yeah. I mean, again, it's why this show stands the test of time, and people are still watching it to this day, and. You know, even having characters each with their own leitmotif, like they each had their own theme, which is just so rare and so cinematic. Yeah, That's what made it so great. With Two-Face, uh, my final question with that is the design of the character in the show. Yeah. Did did that start at Bruce Timm's fingertips and then go through a bunch? Because yeah. yeah, and so with with characters, I guess in general, my question to you is: What characters specifically did you help conceptualize? You know, because again, like when we were talking to Dan Reber, he said, you know, there was an idea of Mambat, and then it came to. To, through him and you guys and there was like there were some versions where the fingers were like really stretched out into the wings mm-hmm. there's others where it was attached to the arm and, and such so i'm just curious and what characters that you when you were conceptualizing them what ones you you could say oh i i helped do that you know i helped create <laughs> well, that. well it was like man bat you know yeah for sure you know it was like that but that was like i was doing the storyboard and so as you're doing the storyboard we're realizing what it's got, what he's got to do, you know, right. He's, we're basing it on the Neil Adams comics and stuff, but then again, you know, and then the, I think it was, uh, yeah. And Dan took a stab at it and Bruce and, uh, was it Mike Chen? I think it was, uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, and it's yeah. like, and he kind of nailed the design finally. Right. You know, Kevin Nolan did some drawings. Um, so yeah, it was like there was like back and forth, but you know, my contribution there was you know, just you know, it was just me drawing and drawing and drawing. Oh, I probably did more drawings than anyone else because I was doing the storyboard of him. You know, once he turns into Man Bat, but beyond that, you know, it's like that was you know that was like that that character Man Bat was like you know, a bunch of people working on it until finally that final design happened. Right. Um, Jonah Hex. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, well, let's talk about showdown then, because you helped come up with the story of that as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is like, and here we go. We're showdown. Okay. Let me, we we should go back. (laughs) Yeah. By by all means. (laughs) This leads to Rachel Ghoul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. I read the comic and it's like my dream from when I'm 13 is like, I'm going to do Rachel Ghoul is, you know, an animation, how that's going to happen. I don't know, you know, <laughs> and the first interview I had with Bruce and with Eric and I said, okay, I'm on board, you know, sign me up, but promise me that when Rachel Ghoul shows up, because Bruce had a thing and he was absolutely right in the Batcave. 
we never, we didn't, we, we made a big point of don't Batman is either Batman in the Batcave. He's never Batman with the cowl off. You know, he's always Batman. He's not Bruce Wayne in the Batman suit ever. Right. Okay. So, and it's like when he's in the Batcave, he's Batman. Because there was a thing going on in the comics where he's always walking around in the Batman suit and it's Bruce Wayne's head. Hmm. So Bruce, rightfully so, just especially for that first season, don't do it. And I said, until Rachel Ghoul shows up in the Batcave. Oh. And that's when the cowl comes off for the very first time. And I said, wow. I own that moment. <laughs> you know, Amazing. And Bruce said, you got it. You know, because then and when Alan Burnett came over, um, Bruce actually said to Alan, like when we're I met Alan, it's like, I love your script. It's fantastic. And, you know, and all that for Two-Face. And uh, yeah. And so we're going to be working together. And, and Bruce said, yeah, but Kevin has one demand. <laughs> and I go to Alan Burnett when Rachel Ghoul shows up, I get that episode. So you got well, you got all of them, man. <laughs> and, they, and they gave me all of them. They, yeah. they actually they actually went further than that. And it's like I actually missed out on the sequel to Night of the Ninja, which is another character I had input on. Oh, really? OK, cool. Yeah. But that was another character that I had a lot of input on in the design, you know, because we you know wanted them the black outfit, you know, yeah. very Alex Toth. Very Alex Toth. Yeah, that's a good I point. Do, I've never I didn't do the that. design, but I had, you know, input on that. But I didn't do the sequel, and Bruce ended up doing the sequel of that because that's when um, Vertigo showed up in Talia in Off Balance. Right. So they made sure that I got that episode, and I... Oh, and you missed Day of the Samurai because you were working on Off Balance. Okay, cool. Day of the Samurai, that's a a good episode, man. That's a good show. It's got lots of like, lots of interesting animation. It was it was almost like especially animated in Spain, right? Okay, so that's really interesting. I didn't know that because the fight at the volcano is such a different style of animation in the show than it is anywhere else in the show. So that's a because usually it was it was South Korea, right? That was doing all of the animation studios. Japan or South Korea? Yeah, Japan and South Korea and China. Right. Okay. Um, Jade. But not Spain. That's that's very random. Yeah, they really wanted to do it. It was a great studio in Spain. Um, they couldn't even finish that episode because they just uh, blew their wad. They just went to, it was just so much right. more. And they were putting so much animation into it. The flashback to the origin of the death touch. Mm. You no, know, I loved that animation right there. It's like, wow. You know, it's just like beautiful. Yeah, and then the same animators, of course, obviously did the ending. Yeah, but I think Don Yang picked up the you know picked up the pieces with that one. But a lot well, of they that... they became a stu- uh, Batman the animated series favorite, didn't they? They kind of like were yeah. the ones that were used the most towards the end. Um, did you ever ever have a Acom episode? Were you ever? Oh God, yes. Did you? Acom, Acom was like the bane of our existence. You know. <laughs> From you know, because ACOM was like at Deke, we would uh, we we would have different studios. We had Karumi, who actually a lot of the people that we worked with at TMS and Karumi Studios in Japan at Deke of uh, Mr. Fukuda, Fukuda san, um, worked was the head of Karumi, and we actually got me and Ken Dur knew him and Dan. 
and we got him to do the, the first episode with Spectrum. They formed Spectrum Animation. Right. That was pure Japanese studio. And then TMS came on board also. So we'd worked with them. But like on ALF and ALF Tales, you'd go, oh, here's an ACOM episode. God, oh, no, it's ACOM again. Oh. <laughs> so what episode was ACOM for you? I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, the Last Laugh. Oh, of mechanic, course. And the mechanic. Yeah, you know, actually, the last laugh, now you mentioned that, you know, that's... That one... Besides yeah. Christmas with the Joker, right, which was the first Joker episode, this was the first proper Joker episode of this show. And I know it was, uh, again, it was early uh, re- animation around Tim Curry's voice that Hamill had to come in and yeah. redub over. But, uh, again, like, the last laugh is such a classic Joker story. And I actually enjoy it for that simplicity. I really do. And I love that. Um, So for you, I guess, like, you know, that was what your third. No, that's the second episode. Yeah, that was the second episode that we, that I did. Yes. That came, that was right after. And it was a problematic script, you know, and then there's and then there's ACOM. It's a problematic script that we had to really work in the storyboards to make it more what we wanted. Can you, sp- you know? talk specifically about what those problems were? I'll just say this one thing. The original title of the script was The Joker, April's Fool. Okay. And then we changed that title to The Last Laugh. Much better title, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, and there's things like the underwater, instead of just a garbage scow, it's a submarine that's, the, the garbage scow is just... Disguising, the, right. It's just the disguise, that's a very Joker thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Captain Clown was in the script, but... Oh, yeah? Him, him getting his head beat in, you know, all the, <laughs> you know, that was, uh, that was actually, you know, what we did. And there's whole there's things like the the batarang the uh, the steel edged batarang that he throws to like chops the um, the pipes and stuff with. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Those kinds of things and the way that Batman fights, um, the fight was like you know choreographed and uh, that 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 fight is is that fight's very different from a lot of the fights in the show. Again, it was almost. Again, a lot of animation into like Batman's pose. He almost did a bit of a Spider-Man pose at one point as well, if I remember correctly. He does this like crouching down thing when he's fighting the goons. Yeah. Um, well, he's uh, it's like we we were like that. That's kind of in that episode, especially that one. Okay, now he's fighting the first episode. He's fighting Man Bat. This episode, he's fighting henchman guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he actually those are actually I tried to think martial arts wise. And that's another BSNP thing. He doesn't really strikes to the face, punches and things like that are not, we're not cool. Mm. But if he does a martial arts thing, like throws, like he almost does like Aikido throws, you know, judo. He's doing judo and jujitsu. Yeah. You know, he's not just doing haymaker f- yeah punches. yeah yeah it's more like defense yeah. maneuvers than it is yeah. actually making contact yeah. so the bad guys attack and he deflects and redirects their action 
that's the way you fight. So that's when you started to figure out, I guess, yeah, how Batman fights in this show, really, and like what yeah. you're allowed to do and what you're not. And I think as you went on, BSMP kind of led up a little bit, right? Because it was the the show was just a, such a hit. Um, okay, so with uh, Rachel Gaul, um, I feel like we keep on dipping our toes in that Lazarus pit, pit, but we're not actually going in no. fully yet. So let's let's go into the Lazarus pit then. With Rach, you you get the episode off balance. You get to do the little, you know, cameo at the end. David Warner, yeah. by the way, like what an amazing Rachel oh. Gaul, incredible voice. Yeah, that was uh, Andrea Romano. She's another god. It's like not only is she a good voice director but just her ability to pick actors like she, she would call up and say, okay, here's this new character, Rachel Ghoul. How do you see him? Who who would you cast? You know, what, what, what kind of, what are we looking for? And we're like, I'm like sitting there saying Michael York, cause you know, we should be a British actor. We should get a classy yeah. too bad. Richard Burton's no longer with us. You know, <laughs> I was like, so what would be Patrick Stewart? Could we get Patrick Stewart? Oh, that would have been quite interesting. That yeah. would be cool. Yeah. yeah we'd Michael York, Michael York, of course, ended up doing vertigo. Yeah. Enough balance. Vertigo. Yeah. But he was like, and she said, yeah, he lives in the Michael York lives in town. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then Andrea goes, how about David Warner? And we're like, Oh yeah. Oh my. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think of that. Yeah, can we get him? It's like, yeah, he lives in town. You know, it's like, so David Warner was her idea. And it's like, my God, he's good. He's perfect. I mean, he is the voice of race to me. He always will be yeah. um, just an incredible voice. And it's such a commanding voice as well when he comes on. And so, okay. So you, 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 you start to do the proper race story. You've got the demons quest parts one and yeah. two, you get Danny O'Neill to yeah. write it. So yeah. uh, how did that happen? Um, well, that was a, Paul, um, I mean, I knew Denny because mainly because because of Batman. Um, I knew him because I went to WonderCon one year convention, and I went up to um, I, I I I had like some association with DC Comics, you know. Right. I have you know friends and stuff there, and I go up to the DC booth, and I talked to Denny O'Neill. Was at there, and he says, "Hey." we're showing your episode on leather wings later today at the con. So you got to show up. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know? And so I knew Denny from there. Of course, I won't go into the story too much about that one, but all I know is I went to a pub across the street and I walked in on the screening of man bat and it's this giant audience. And there's Denny O'Neill, you know, and, and the audience goes crazy. And I was like, wow, I had no idea how popular this could be. Wow. You know, so that that's was quite a way to find out, especially because Denny O'Neill, as you said at the top of yeah. this, he's the like he's the creator of your definitive Batman, him and Neil Adams. Yeah, and I'm half tanked because I just got out of the pub across the street, and Denny <laughs> O'Neill afterwards says, "Hey, I think the director's here, Kevin. Come on up." And I'm like, "Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> really embarrassing." But it was it was gratifying at the same time. So I knew Denny O'Neill and. Uh, you know, here it comes, and Paul Dini, obviously, he knew Denny O'Neill and Alan Burnett, you know, and they went, get Denny O'Neill, see if he'll write, you know, see if he can do it, you know. And I actually, again, this is where I, you know, I I really stuck to my guns. The first draft of that script was Denny O'Neill adapting his own story 
and I thought he did a very able job. It was maybe a bit too long mm-hmm. for the animation, but we can do it. But everything, you know, the, that that plot, that adaptation, I thought was great. Went to the story editor and completely changed. Right, okay. And I just went to Alan Burnett, and I just went, I'm, I've already started boarding, and I'm not changing this one. This is, yeah, I mean, it's your, it was your stipulation from the get go, right? Like you wanted yeah, to be I'm like, this way. I love this. Denny O'Neill wrote this. We could, the, the, any changes we, we can, I, I'm sticking with this script. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I can't. I'm not doing those changes. We're not having a Xerox machine in the bat cage. Oh, is that no. was, was that part the of the change? Like that. It's like, <laughs> no, it comes over a facsimile, the fax machine. The, you know, that's that's how they would do it in this modern age. And I'm like, it's in an envelope with a couple of pictures. That's it. Yeah, um, and that's way more in line with this show, I think, than a fax machine. Like if Batman suddenly went over to the bat fax and there's a picture of Robin tied up, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have yeah. the same impact as like no. a, a yellow envelope that you have to open and there's you yeah. know, like a, a mystery around it. Yeah, I love I love all of that. And, you know, you can see Denny O'Neill's writing obviously in it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're now directing uh, the story that you wanted to direct in animations, as you said, since you were a kid. So what like with the with the look of race again and everything else did you have any input on like you know the style of race or was it more figured out in storyboards for you um no that right up front no it's like bruce would uh he would he would he was just doing you know bruce was doing all the main character designs and he would just share yeah me you know just what do you think what do you think you know and i'm like well you know and it's i don't think he did a whole lot of development of that because i think he nailed it pretty damn quick cool okay yeah and uh yeah so it's like just just in general you know uh, i mean bruce was on in line to do this adaptation too you know character design wise you know that, that's, great that's, design for Talia. that's interesting because i was going to ask was your your love for this character obviously carried it through to to happening but um was was everyone else on board with doing race as well? Were they as as much enthused as you were, or you know, were there some people who was kind of like, oh, I don't know, because I've heard that like Bruce Tim wasn't the biggest Riddler fan, and that's why kind of Riddler episodes were yeah. here and there, which is which is fine, you know, it's it's he's it's his show, um, yeah, but yeah, but, were other people are just as enthused about race as you were. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like uh, as far as everyone who worked on it, it's like. I mean, I actually, I don't think, I don't think everyone was as enthusiastic as I was. <laughs> well, I guess you're another level, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, for that, it was like, I was, I was kind of obsessed with this one character, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I love all of them, but there's just, there was just, I just wanted, I just racial goal was so different. And the, the, that episode is so different because it's not Gotham city. Yeah. It's not all at night, you know? It's it's world traveling, and that's kind of like what I loved about that original story. It's it's a different uh, it's a different Batman. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, Batman in the desert looks so cool, especially when he like disguises himself and like gets on horseback. Um, that might be Avatar. I can't remember which, but that, that is, is that, a, that's Avatar. Yeah, but uh, I just loved all of. The, I loved the look of Batman in Race's world. I loved the sword fight. Obviously, you've got. 
you yeah. know, full oh. on like chest out Batman and Rachel yeah. Gore, Batman with this cowl on still and the sword fight. Like that's straight out of the comics, right? Like that's awesome. Yeah, no, that that was it was like, you know, Batman stripped to the waist, you know, sword duel. Yeah. We had it, of course, in the burning in the burning destroyed, you know, castle structure, you know, that before. But no, that 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 was pure Neil Adams inspired. You know, I mean, when I was a kid and I saw that and it like that's how it ended was with sword fight stripped mm-hmm. to the waist. You know, that 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 was that was just the coolest Batman ever, you know, and of course he can handle a saber. You know? <laughs> it's so interesting that you took to that as being your you know, one of the things that stood out because it's a very different Batman, you know, than everyone yeah, expects. So different. Yeah. So different. Yeah, and I don't think anyone else had the enthusiasm. Mike Gogan, you know, everyone did a great job. Mike Gogan, especially, it's like he did the stuff with the Panther attack. Okay, yeah, awesome. Yeah, you know, the, that was probably some of the best animation that we got on that episode. Was the uh, yeah, it just I, I, I'm sure you had your own influences. Um, when I watched those episodes. I get uh, some Indiana Jones vibes for sure. I get some the mummy yeah. vibes, like, you know, all the way back from the original mummy as well. And just like tomb raiding and, you know, all of that, like this is a mystical world where, you know, Batman is uh, in the show until these episodes had quite a grounded reality. Like everything had a scientific explanation to it. And race, yeah. I feel like was the first time where like magic and mysticism yeah. was really brought into it. And I think it was handled really well. I think you guys, you did a really good balance of handling and introducing that idea because we haven't gotten to like Superman and all the other superpower beings yet. So like the idea just at yeah. this stage is there's a dude in a costume dressed like a bat. He's human and he goes around beating up criminals that all have, you know, some powers, if you want to call it that, or like abilities, but there's all a scientific reason for that and then race is just a dude that goes in a pit you know and like lives forever and wants to destroy the world or rule it yeah so i i've always liked that introduction and that was my first introduction to race right like i didn't know who race Gore was until i watched the show you know i this show came out when i was five or six to begin with so you know i started watching it you know soon after that and i remember being like this dude's different I just remember being like, he's so, he's so different in a really interesting way. So we've got, we've got the demons quest one and two, but then obviously I talked about avatar, which doesn't get talked about a lot. It's certainly an episode that like yeah. is very, is very different again, very mummy, you know, you got a real mummy feel to that. Yeah, as well. It's, it's actually, it's not, um, it's not the Brendan Fraser uh, mummy. It's like, that's, See that those movies like my influences. Um, of course, and yeah, I know, I know it was an influence for you more yeah, for me like, than I was saying. Yeah, no, but it's like so the influences that I have, in, you know, from film was like I was a big Republic serial fan. Okay, long before you know, obviously Spielberg is too. Sure, <laughs> you know? yeah, Indiana Jones, and George yeah. Lucas. It's like, but obviously, so my uh, the love for all that stuff goes way before you know it's not indiana jones Mm. it's pre-indiana jones it's the same Mm. stuff like tarzan's great adventure i don't know if you've ever seen that movie that's another one like that tarzan there's movies that all you know that all plays into yeah it doesn't surprise me kevin to be honest with you because like if i was if i was ever doing something 
and I had influences, it wouldn't be from films that have come out in the last like five or six years, which is around, you know, when you were doing this, that's when like, yeah. I think Mummy even came out after that, but still like those yeah. movies, Indiana Jones, they were all around that, you know, last oh, yeah. decade where mine would be Batman, the animated series, right. From when I was a young kid, yeah. and, like that's my influence that I pass on. Yeah. No. And, and, on and like on Avatar was again, a disappointing script that we got, it had bits and pieces there. I think, you know, uh, Michael Reeves wrote it, and, but, you know, but like the mummy is, uh, we're, we're, Bruce and I are just like, you know, I, I read the script and I go, Bruce, this isn't sending me. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't send me either. You know? And we're sitting there saying, what's, what, what is missing? What, what's going on? You know, it's like, and we were just sitting there and saying, well, at the end of monster, it's just this big goop monster. Hmm. It's just a, it's, there's a blob monster and the, it's like, you know, if, and it was, and then we go, if this was a hammer film, like blood from the mummy's tomb or something right. like that. Yeah. Oh, there'd be like this hot chick. That is, <laughs> and, and again, and they, and we got, uh, a bit, a bit shining of that as well, right? Like yeah. shining, like where yes. it's like this beautiful woman, and then it's this horrible, hideous thing yeah. when you're kissing it. Yeah. yeah, and then then we were, but we we're doing like it's not even The Shining. We were doing like Hammer horror film. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah. We we're doing like it was like that was our homage to Hammer. Like at the beginning, people think that oh, it looks like Raish, the archaeologist at the beginning. Yes, like, but it's not Raish. It's Peter Cushing. Of course it is. So I've I, I didn't know it was Peter Cushing. I, I but yeah. I've heard people like I've heard people be like, oh, that's Rache at the beginning, and I'm like, I don't think it is. I've never I I never made yeah. that connection. But of course it's Peter Cushing. That makes so much sense now. I mean, you yeah. know, the, before he was obviously the leader of the Death Star, he had done loads of those types of Hammer things. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So you know, it's like the young young Peter Cushing is like, and that's who you know, and that's what Bruce uh, did the base the design on. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, so then, the final race is Showdown. Um, yeah. And, until the reanimated versions came out, but your last crack at race was in Showdown, which you came up with the story for that episode. Yeah. Well, th that was like um, we went to a recording, um, and afterwards, like me, um, Paul Dini, and uh, Bruce are like sitting on the steps after the recording, and after all the actors have gone, and uh, Paul and Bruce go, okay, Kevin, what would be the weirdest or the most, what's the most different character that you would want to do in the DC universe? What's the weirdest out there character? You know, and it's like, we know you like Sergeant Rock, you know, and Enemy Ace. And I'm like, oh, how could we get Enemy Ace? It's like, God, that's impossible. <laughs> there was the Enemy Ace one where it's the actor. There is that Neil Adams comic. You know, I think Denny O'Neill wrote that one. I'm not sure. Either him or, him or Frank Robbins. And I'm like, yeah, well, but that's not really Enemy Ace. You know, it's like, and then, and then, you know, and I said, well, and, and, oh God, I'd like to do Jonah Hex, you know. And then that went to the conversation where me, Paul, and Bruce were like, just kept going with Jonah Hex. Right. How 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 does this work? You know. And it's like, so then we go, well, it'd be like an episode. Maybe if we did like, it would be like an episode of Wild Wild West. And then we just hammered it out um, between us. You know what the plot was. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Oh, and he's got a he's got an airship, you know, it could be like Jules Verne, you know, Jules Verne kind of stuff, you know, it's like Jules Verne be like master of the world. Yeah. But it's an ironclad airship dirigible. 
oh yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and no, it was just, it was just like we hammered out the plot right there, the whole plot, you know, yeah. and he's and through, I, you see, I can't even remember who came up with, it, but you know, Paul sitting there saying, yeah, and he's going to fly across America and conquer New York. And then Bruce and I were both fans of George McDonald Frazier. I don't know if you know the author. No, I don't know. He wrote, he wrote the Flashman books, which were historic books where Flashman, who is this scoundrel, well-to-do scoundrel, who spends his time because he's born in, you know, as Queen Victoria takes over. Right. He, he gets kicked out of Tom Brown. He's from Tom Brown's school days, Flashman, the character Flashman. And this character ends up in all of the Victorian colonial wars. And he he's a coward and a scoundrel and fights dirty. And he just is trying to survive and, you know, make as much money as he can. And he's just a great character. And he it's like the writing of George McDonald Frazier is so good. And this is like me and Bruce. Bruce was the only other person at that time that I knew had read all the books. Right, okay. And, and so we bonded. And so... Flashman, and then Bruce and I are like, oh, and Flashman is Rachel Gould's son. <laughs> and then Bruce, like, you know, he did the character design. And then that led to because the movie Royal Flash, which is the only adaptation of George McDonald Frazier, actually wrote the screenplay for Royal Flash, the movie, right? Starring Oliver Reed and Malcolm McDowell as Flashman. Who happened to be the voice actor? Who and then we went, and then we said, "Let's try and get Malcolm McDowell to play, you know, to play." Uh, right? Yeah, oh, because I, I, I forget, I, I completely forgot that he's in that episode. Until you just mentioned that because I'm used to him being Superman to start with in this DC animated universe. Yeah. You guys I created. Think, I think that I think Flash the Flashman, Arcade Duvall was his first animated voice acting character. Gig. Wow, that's amazing. Um, we had the discussions, me and Bruce, as Bruce is going through the character designs, and we just decided this is the older Jonah Hex at the end of his career, his bounty hunting career. Right. So he's the older guy in the in the story. So with with Arcadia, with Raish's son, because we never see him again, and I presume he just dies of old age soon after yeah. that. Um, which is pretty fucked up a race to do if you think about it, because this dude has access to Lazarus pits that can bring you back to life. But he's like, my but son, he, no, it's not good enough. But, but it is explained. It is explained um, that Arcady Duval, when he was young, yes, he did do the Lazarus pit. But then when he was incarcerated after this adventure, he ended up in prison. You know, he's sent to prison for life. Oh, and so he had and, no access and, to the Lazarus pit. He never got to a Lazarus pit, and he just kept getting. He didn't age as fast as any of us, but no one expected him to live a hundred and fifty years. You know, one hundred and fifty years. You know, and uh, so he's you know he's ruined. He, Man, he ruined. I like there's layers to showdown. So I I'll admit to you Kevin, it's probably in the pantheon of episodes that I rewatch loads. It's not one that's included in there. There's a few ones that um I just didn't go back and watch loads for whatever reason. There's no reason behind it. I I like them all just just fine, but 
I think uh, what I'm doing now is I'm trying not to watch those episodes until I come to review them on the podcast because <laughs> I want to be able to be like, okay, I'm I'm reviewing this. But you're making me want to watch go go watch Showdown right now. You know, oh, like you it sounds Showdown, great. And there was um in one of the prop guys in the background, the prop guy was Joe Denton, a uh, wonderful guy. He's no longer with us. Um, he was probably I think he was one of the older guys on the crew, but he would go and on weekends he would come he would come in and show me and it's like we we talk about history and stuff, and he was like a, he was another history buff like me. But Joe was a big history buff on the Wild West, the Old West. Right. And he took his time off of what he was supposed to be doing. And it's like, we designed together, said, yeah, it's the Monitor and the CSS Virginia all rolled into one airship. How would that work? And we worked it out and Joe drew it and he did everything, the rivets. He did the models of the, and it said, what kind of a gun does you know jonah hex used well he uses a colt dragoon you know well that's a lot of detail there i love that yeah Yeah. and it's like he basically he's armed kind of like uh what was it um you know clint eastwood movies you know he's like kind of clint eastwood in uh the outlaw josie wales right yeah went to that it's because it's that period it's like it's that whole american civil war era technologies yeah Gatling guns, accurate Gatling guns, cannon, accurate cannon. <laughs> and it's like and we figured out like the gun decks was the kind of based on like, you know, gun decks of uh, Civil War era. What I'm gathering just by talking to you is you love creating worlds in the DC animated universe that are outside of Gotham, like by the sounds of it. You love like desert and like that, like Western feel, or like that sense of adventure. Um Oh, yeah. That seems more in line with you. Like, uh, you know, On Leather Wings is different, even though it takes place in Gotham. That was the start. So you had a lot of stuff that you had to create, and you were the first ones to pioneer that, or at least be the ones to put it in front of all of us. Um, it's a monster movie, as you said. It's a monster story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, looking at your list of episodes again, the ones that you love are, are, are like, are all that kind of like action adventure fantasy. You know, it's all got the kind of a sense of, like old Saturday morning cartoons of serials, you know, like Johnny Quest. You were talking about Johnny Quest yeah. earlier. And another, well, one guy that cannot be under <laughs> underestimated as far as influence is Miyazaki. Like Miyazaki, it's like, again, that's like me, Dan, Brad. We were just like, we, we were determined. It's like a lot of the, the things that we learned from animation. Because over at Deke, you're working with uh, TMS, and at that time, Nausicaa had just come out. Okay. I saw Castle Cagliostro for the first time. I, I had only known about Miyazaki through these Japanese film books that I used to buy at the Old Northridge Mall. And I didn't know who Miyazaki was. All I knew was like, whoever this guy is doing this cartoon. And I couldn't even see the cartoon because it's just a book. Right. Names from it. And I said, this this guy is like Castle Cagliostro. He really, this guy knows this is how you do it, you know, especially with limited animation, especially Castle Cagliostro accomplishes so much with limited animation, you know, Japanese limited animation style. And that's kind of like that, that, you know, without Miyazaki, you know, kind of showing us the way, 
Like I was fans of Japanese animation, you know, Tezuka and all those guys, um, like eighth man, uh, Astro boy and eighth man and gigantor, all that stuff. But Miyazaki took it to another level, you gotcha. know, just yeah. straight up action adventure and stuff. And just his love of aircraft. It's like my love of aircraft, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could tell when you're talking about yeah. the showdown, the golden yeah. age of it, you know, and then, and then showdown, it's like, cannons and just that victorian era mm. you know it's i don't right up your street yeah everyone's like oh you're doing steampunk and it's like steampunk did not exist no yeah not in 1994 yeah no. we're doing jules verne master of the world you know with rachel ghoul in the top hat and yeah no that was that, that was like that was really gratifying and fun yeah, that's awesome a lot of work <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure but yeah i mean it again it you know was it was something that you were passionate about and that came through and, and if you've I, ever I, seen canon like that era canon fired off you can see cannonballs you can right. see them so that's why we had and they animated the cannonballs for us <laughs> that's awesome. i had Probably the only argument I had on that one with Bruce was like, you know, I'm drawing animating cannonballs, you know, I, and I specifically asked for that in the boards and, you know, in the timing. And he's like, <laughs> you can't see cannonballs. And it's like, oh, it's going to be great, Bruce. And he's like, ah, you're crazy. <laughs> you can't so, see cannonballs. <laughs> the, la the last thing that um, I wanted to ask you is um, – yeah. You so you worked on um, Harley's Holiday. We directed Harley's Holiday and Harley yes. Quinnade, both focused on Harley Quinn, character created for the show, as you know. And um, both episodes are great. It really yep. puts her front and center. You know, well, shows her off as like this is a proper character. She's not a sidekick. She's yep. not like you know villain of the week or something like that. She's here to stay. Um, so what? Yeah, talk me through like some of your memories working on like Harley Quinnade well, and Harley's Holiday. I was good friends with uh, Paul Dini, right? And right. Um, I, was, I was in my office one day, and Paul comes in, and he goes, you know, he's sitting here. He's, you know, he'd come in, and he'd bounce ideas off of me once in a while, you know, and he'd go and say, you know what? Remember the Joker, the Cesar Romero Joker from the 60s Batman? Yeah. He always had a mall. He always had a chick in the gang, didn't he? Yeah. There was always a girl in the gang. I'm like, Yeah. I think the Joker needs a mall, you know? And he says, okay. You know, and he comes back and then, you know, and he had like a little sketch that he did of Harley right. Quinn, but it was, you know, it was, well, wasn't what she ended up looking like, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I said, man, that's, that's a great character. That's a great idea. Right. I even read the first script. I think, what was it? Joker's favor. I'm not yep. sure. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's I it was, and I was like, Oh boy, this is, Oh, I can't wait to do this one. Someone else gets, I think Boyd got the episode. Yeah, Boyd kept oh, directed that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm like, what? I don't get it. And then Harley shows up again. Someone else gets the episode. Harley shows up again. <laughs> and then Paul sits in and says, you know, and he goes and says, pitches to me again, you know, just talking, you know, comes in friendly like and is sitting there saying, you know, uh, yeah. And so the Joker, I think, you know, Harley's in jail, but the Joker steals an A-bomb, you know, and then blah, blah, blah. And, he, and I'm like, oh, man, that's a great, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Okay. A little while later, I hear Dan, 
Paul and Bruce are in the office right next to mine. And I overhear them talking about, yeah, and then the Joker has a helicopter. And I'm like, wait a second. And I get up and I go and I say, give me that. <laughs> Just took it right out of Dan's hands. I said, I'm sorry, Dan, but I'm getting the Harley episode this time. <laughs> well, and also it wasn't a helicopter. Was that you changing it to a fighter jet? Yeah. Yeah, no, we changed, I changed it to, he's like, okay, in the Joker, and this was my pitch, it's like, it's not a helicopter. If it's the Joker, he's going to do something Jokerish. So it's a, you know, it's actually, it's a Martin Bomber, which is like a World War I era, not quite World War I, maybe 1920s. But it was the Billy Mitchell's, you know, bombing battleship airplane, you know. Gotcha. And so it's like with the, with the twin Lewises mounted, on the you know in the cockpit in the front cockpit so it's like yeah it's just world war one aircraft and the joker doing his costume changes which is a joker thing too you know it's like very quick very quickly might i add he like goes in and then in in seconds he's in a fighter jet outfit i love that so joker yeah Yeah. it's like the red baron he does his red baron thing with the scarf and everything yeah it's amazing uh there's also in that episode um, as a kid, I never noticed, and, and it wasn't until I was adult and watched it again. Um, you have a very, very early clue that it's the Joker who's behind this, uh, yes. or at least kidnapped the mayor, because you see the mayor on the phone, and you see mm-hmm. just a little bit of purple sleeve there. And I was like, oh, that's really yeah, sneaky. And a white glove. And a, and white, a white glove. glove. Yeah, yeah. And, of yeah. course, that's Joker holding the phone up to the mayor because he's got him hostage. And I, yeah. I I never noticed that until I was an adult, and I was like, oh, that's a cool little clue there. Yeah, that was the intention. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah but sure. don't, go, don't, go, don't, give it, don't give it away. It's just... You know, the mayor stupidly being the mayor, you know, like, oh, yes, well, yeah. we'll just wait and see, you know. And, yeah, you know, and says, like, I'm not going to evacuate, like, 10 million people on a hunch. And I was like, 10 million? That's a lot of people in Gotham City, buddy. As big as New York. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with all of those Harley, Harley episodes that you did, you then yeah. came back to the character very recently for the new Harley Quinn show. And storyboarded yeah. some of that. So, what was it like, like going? And I, and I did the comic too. <laughs> the oh, and you did the comic, yeah, of course. Yeah, I did. I did the two. I did the Harley Quinn, black, white, and red with Paul. Yeah. And then I did uh, the Batman Adventures season three, episode two, uh, Old Flames. Yeah. Which is you know which has Two Face in it. So that just came out this this year in February. Yeah. I think you mentioned and Alan Alan Burnett and Paul Dini wrote that one. That yeah, it's like, amazing that we're still getting like Batman the animated series, even in comic form. It's amazing that we're still getting that. I love that. Uh, yeah. But of course, you worked on the Harley Quinn show as well, which is very yes. popular right now. So, what was it like, like you know, going back to the character, but it's totally different, I imagine, because it's totally different interpretations, oh. and you were there. When Paul Dini came up with the character to begin with, and now this is the version that we get for a modern day, it's crazy. Yeah, well, it's. Uh, I mean, the thing is, I'm I'm I am such a I'm such a Harley Quinn purist. Yes, that people, you know, and I, I again, it's like there's you know I have a lot of friends, you know, people over the years, and it's like Jennifer Coyle, you know, the producer and director of that show. She was the director specifically, I think, of that, the episode that I worked on, the uh, Valentine's Day special. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm such a purist and people are like, you know, whoa, what do you think of this new one? It's like, you know what? It's like the new Harley Quinn. It's like, I have, I have trouble with the baseball bat, you know, and right. Like that. Right. It's like, what's that got to do with it? The ponytails. Um, we actually came up with because in Harlequinade, mm. uh, Mike Bogan is doing the storyboard of her in the cell when Batman shows up. And, and Mike, chewing the gum and swallows the yeah, chewing gum. Right. Yeah. That's all, you know, that's all, that's all Mike Gogan. And he, yeah. he's sitting there saying, you know, he did a model design because, you know, he, he would do, he did model character design of Harley with her, you know, without the is, Harley. Is that the first time you see her without the mask on and the makeup? Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think so. It's like, I think it's, 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 so it's like, geez, you know, it's like, here's this blonde girl. It's like, doesn't look like her. And I just went like, well, you know, do the pebbles thing on both sides of her head, you know, maybe. And then you put the ponytails on top of her head and all of a sudden now it looks like Harley. Right. You know, so, okay. The ponytail. I love that. That's fun. Ponytail Harley. I'm, I'm down with and all that. But the thing about um, the series that they did right with this Harley Quinn it starts out with a direct, the pilot for the whole series, the new Harley Quinn show. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's hilarious. Oh, it's, it, I mean, I've watched it. It's, it's outrageous and it's fun. And that's yeah. like, I think it's, Harley Quinn has become like Batman, in my opinion, where there are so many different versions of that character. And there's so many yeah. different ways you can go in it that if one version isn't your version, that's fine. There's probably like two or three that is, you yeah. know? And that, and it's like the, number one, it that hooks up with Batman. You know, it, it hooks up because the first episode it starts out she's Harley Quinn, the classic Harley Quinn, you know, with a classic style Joker. And then she, I love the the comedic evolution that she goes through. Mm. You know, and um, and I, I'm going to say, my working on the show, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I was just like at the tail end. I was just like helping out, really, because I can't take credit. Like, no, yeah, I'm. You want it wasn't like the animated series, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the artists that worked on it um, are friends of mine that I've worked with over the years. You know, like you know, Cecilia Aronovich and uh, Jennifer. You know, and uh, you know, so I knew all these people. So basically, all I was doing was helping out with the boards, right? You know, changes and stuff. You know. And it was a great job, especially when I, the, it was like one of the better jobs I've had recently was that I was doing animation checking at the very end of the, of the uh, Valentine's Day special. And if people out there haven't seen it, man, it's like I was sitting here cracking up just working on these storyboards that, you know, that like, you know, it's all in storyboard profile, you know, and it's sure. like all in computer. And I'm looking at these and so I'm getting these animatics and I'm doing the changes and stuff. But I had to just, there was just like one point where I was just sitting there cracking up. <laughs> it's like it's, it is, it's so funny. And it's like, you can't go and say that this is, uh, you know, it lives in its own universe. It does. I can, yeah. I can love it for what it is. I mean, you must be like BSP would have like killed over oh. and died if they saw this back in the nineties, oh right? Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. It's like, 
If only we could have done that. Stuff. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, like, I, I think it would have made Batman the Animated Series very different, and I'm not sure it would have worked. But yeah, it, for this show, it it just it, it is its own thing, and I've I've enjoyed it. I've watched a ton of episodes of it, and I've enjoyed it for what it is. Um, you know, well, it's that, not it's not tar- it's not targeted at me, and that's what I've I've accepted, right? Yeah. Like, it's, you know, no, I'm, it's I'm, like it's people go and say, and I'm such a purist, and it's like, yes, I I was there at the beginning of Clayface, you know, and exactly, it, man, yeah, it's like, and that that Clayface is so tragic and horrible, and yeah. it's like, but this Clayface, who's such a a, a horrible person, he's such a yeah. mean person, but he's like such a uh, narcissist actor yeah exactly he's just self exactly his his ego and yeah i love it it's it's a great they're all great takes again i think like maybe just not just harley quinn but like all of batman's rogues and batman himself they're all up for reinterpretation it just for some reason it works like you can't re reinterpret many other superheroes besides batman and his rogues right like if you changed up spider-man too much people are going to be like what are you doing same with superman what are you doing batman seems to like as long as you have like one or two things right that's the core of the characters you can do whatever you want so this is my favorite part of the show it's just for me where the listeners can only listen to what I'm looking at. But like, <laughs> I get to see it. As a fan of this show, it's been great when I have guests on and I get to ask them, what memorabilia do you have from your time working on the show? Well, I've got like copies of the storyboards. Um, which oh. is- <laughs> yes, please, Kevin. See, yes, please. See if you can tell what's that from. Oh, is th- oh that's difficult. So I'm looking at a cityscape. It's obviously Gotham. Um, yeah. This is, is like is the, that episode one? Is that on Leather Wings? Yeah. No, this is actually this is actually the Catwoman. Oh, that's Cat in the Claw Part One. Cat in the okay, Claw Part One, which is like another thing that I wanted to do was like I loved uh, doing doing the storyboard myself. God, that's awesome, man. That looks so good. Yeah. And it's like when I, I drew this, I drew this back room, like the, the opening sequence where it's like Catwoman's like the human fly on the tiny. Yes. And, uh, and, and, <laughs> and Ted Blackman, the art director is like, are you out of your mind? That's so much to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, like, like you got yeah, the blimp. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I drew it. That's right. That episode starts with just like a sweeping look at Gotham, doesn't it? It looks yeah, really and it's good. Like, yeah. And then it's like, this is like another thing, the introduction of the character of uh, Catwoman. I and, love the look of Catwoman in this show, man. She looks so yeah. good. Um, yeah, and, uh, and it's like, and you asked before, about like character designs and stuff that influence yeah. I've had. I, I, I always have cats, you know, and uh, actually this is something that I thought was like very cool, but like the one character that I actually can lay claim to, you know, this is like where Catwoman goes up to the window Mm-hmm. the way she uses her claws like where she just goes and oh, turns turn, her hand yeah creates a circle you know? in the window yeah yeah and it's like that was you know people oh, say wow. oh the animator came up with something wonderful it's like no look this it's all here that's all in the storyboards from you yeah, that's amazing and I can and, see the cat around her neck as well there that's cool yeah and it's like and this is when um, when Isis first shows up mm-hmm. and this is my character design <laughs> Isis the cat is my design. Oh my god, you created Isis. That's so cool. Yeah. 
because Bruce was like, ah, you go ahead and draw the cat. I don't, you know, I don't like drawing animals. I have another other things I have to draw. So this whole sequence with ISIS is like something that I was really, really into. And it's like, and I really, uh, God, look at these storyboards, just going through that whole episode, that beginning. And I mean, she's a cat burglar. What better way to introduce Catwoman than yeah. when she's being a cat burglar, you know, it's just yeah. so good. Um, I yeah, love Isis. Isis is a great character, man. There's a little like her sidekick. She Isis is in so many episodes after this first one. God, that's yeah. amazing. Look at that. And that's I think incredible. I think I think how it went was I did the design of uh Isis and then I think Dan Reba did the finish. Wow. You know? So it's like and then between us it looks like you know it fits into God, the your, same world. your storyboards are so detailed, man. It looks like exactly like what you see in the episode that's amazing oh that's, that's the idea thank you yeah wow that's incredible you know, and that's and it's just tell everyone out there by the way going. like as a kid i used to fancy catwoman like it was ridiculous like oh. she just the way you guys drew her even as a kid i was like catwoman's got a vibe that i love she's got it going on here's the just to show you how much effort it's like you have to put into Jesus, it. that is just so detailed. And that's just them what when they're jumping across the rooftops. Yeah. And it's like wow. you'll notice like I I did the whole drawing, you know, what the background is and I mean uh, it's it's so comic book, Kevin. It's crazy how comic book that is. And that's a storyboard. That's nuts. Yeah. a lot of detail in the building. It's a storyboard that becomes a layout, that becomes a painting, that yeah. becomes, you know. With and I, I guess early on as well, you're really trying to cement the detail in the storyboards, right? Because you yeah. want the animation houses to get it right. Yeah. And this was one of the first episodes too, where you really, it's like, what is Gotham? What, what kind of a city is it? You know? Mm. So you really had to, you know, we were actually really trying to figure things out. Oh, and, awesome. and I got to meet Adrian Barbeau. <laughs> who's an amazing she was cat so woman. good as cat yeah, she's she really so good was. as cat woman. again and another like, perfect voice cast yeah and it's like i know that like andrea after the actors would say something andrea would go um so you guys have any notes you know right you know it's like things specific you know for to you know for the show for for the episode and I just remember just I didn't even hear her say anything because I'm just like looking and there's Adrian Barbeau while she was performing this first episode. She takes off. She she shows up in, I think, like kind of elegant pajamas, but yeah. it's pajamas and uh, just takes her shoes off and pulls herself up. And there's Adrian Barbeau performing, <laughs> you know, cross legged in her in a, on the stool in front of the microphone. And I'm just. I can't believe I'm seeing this. I mean, her her voice is like I, still. I'm, I'm such a I'm such a fan, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And oh god, these course. these storyboards are crazy, man. They're so cool. I mean, you know what? We also like seeing Batman getting the drop in Catwoman and remembering that scene. We we don't have to go into grand detail because I understand some people aren't ready to talk about. It, but we haven't spoken about Kevin Conroy as Batman, oh and god. just like you know, oh I. I, it's just what a performance what a i mean the definitive batman without question and yeah i mean all of these episodes that we've talked about you know he's the he's the star of all of them and he is just yep. always he's, beyond amazing and the guy walked the walk you know yeah, yeah. it's like the thing about kevin conroy 
it's like if you got to know him, I mean, it's almost like everyone gets to know him because that Bruce Wayne, that that guy, that that's him. Mm. That's him. And 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 um it's like it's just really sad that he's gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um but he always had time for everybody. Right. You know? He it's like you you see him work with at conventions and stuff, and he responds to people, you know, he's it doesn't take much for actors to be snobs, to be stars. Right. You know? And that was not him at all. He was just such a, he gave like emotionally, like he emotionally, he would give when he's performing. And then when you see him just with fans or even just with me, He's like a hundred percent with you, you know. It's like you just, you just, you know. If you ask him, there's no no quest question that was too stupid to ask him, you know, because he 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 didn't uh, he didn't think little. I, I don't think he had a thought little of anybody. Right. You know? he, yeah. he he was he was he he really was. You know, he embraced being Batman, and he carried it into life. He knew going to conventions and just talking to the kids and stuff was just as important as you know doing the job. It's what Diane Pershing said, you know, when we we discussed it. She said, um, you know, just him at the conventions was where like I really got to know him because you know she's poised the voice of Poison Ivy, right? So she's coming on yeah. to do some episodes and you do your recordings and you know thanks very much and off you go home. But she really got to know him at conventions and just see how much he was loved and embraced and yeah, she's um, she was she spoke very highly of him as everybody does, you know, because he was yeah. just he is he is Batman to us as as fans. You know, I've always have always thought of him as Batman ever since I saw him when I was fucking six. Um, yeah. and still do until the day I go as well. But, you know, to find out more and just to know that the dude wasn't only, was not only the best Batman that we'll ever have, but was just a great guy as well. And like, you know, just, yeah. I, yeah. So, uh, thank you for sharing that stuff. Cause you know, I know it sometimes can't be easy, but it yeah. is really unfortunate that he's gone, but we, we are also very fortunate to have so much stuff of his that we can still like, he will live on as Batman forever, forever. You know? Yeah. Well, I think I, when I first met him, like the, you know, in the first recording, um, I just walked in and I just saw this guy, you know, yeah. I'm the with him around. I'm the other Kevin, you know. <laughs> right, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He overshadows me. But the thing is, is like the first one of the first things I said is like, my God, it's like you know nothing against Michael Keaton, but you know, especially at that time, my the, the Michael Keaton Batman, the Tim Burton Batman was, was you the know, Batman. Yeah, it was like, and it was still you know it had just come out, mm -hmm. and. uh I just saw I just saw him and I said, My God, if only you <laughs> could have been Batman, because he right. looked like Batman. He had the lantern jaw, broad shoulders, you know, handsome. Tall. Yeah, very tall. Yeah. Tall and handsome and just yeah. like, you know, just uh he looked like Batman. He well, sounded his, like Batman. His he voice acted like Batman. Yeah, yeah. He was Batman. Right. He was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and also chose to do the Bruce Wayne voice. 
you know, make it different from the Batman voice and that Batman yeah. is his real voice and Bruce Wayne but, but is the act. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that, that that's like just that's it's that's perfect. Him. That's Batman. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, and it's like, and he would actually go and say that, like, especially when Talia shows up, like an avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, he would go and say, Okay, now he's Bruce Wayne here, but he's with Talia. So I said, Yeah, and it's like so. You know, and so you go, got it, got it. So it's like Batman's voice is actually Bruce Wayne's mm-hmm. natural voice. Yeah. And when he's alone with Alfred, it's the Batman voice. Yeah. But if, if he's, like, yeah, if he's, if he's, but like on the other wings, when he answers the phone call from the doctor, what's you up, know, he's, yeah, what's up, Doc? Yeah, I'm Bruce Wayne now. Hey, how you doing? You know, and it's like, it's such a drastic change. And that's always been funny in that episode um to see bruce wayne's voice come out of batman's mouth because he's in the cape and cow right as you said yeah. you don't see him out of that in the bat cave until the demon's quest and yeah i still to this day it's so weird to see bruce wayne's voice coming out of batman's mouth because to me they're just two totally different people they are the same person but it's they sound so different and they look different yeah. as well that it was it's always been like a funny little thing for me out of that episode um and that's just how great he was you know he could just make you believe that these two people are 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 not the same person you know to the to everyone in gotham that's not that's not bruce wayne that's batman and it's like in in thinking of that like where where batman's voice is his natural voice and you'll notice like when you go back to like mask of the phantasm Mm. His performance in Mask of the Phantasm is unreal. I know. Where it's like, oh. where he, it's like it's it's really that is Batman Year One in the flashbacks where he's young Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He hasn't become Batman yet. He doesn't have that persona yet, and yet Kevin Conroy plays it perfect. Like he's Bruce Wayne. He's not being a playboy yet. You know, yeah. in, in the flashbacks. But there's his voice. There's that natural voice, but it's younger. Yes, and it's a then, youthful Batman voice. Yeah, and it's like, but it's like there, there's, it's like it's very subtle performances. But my God, that guy, he. I know. I don't, I know. I don't know anyone that can that can really no. do it. No. I mean, no one can. No, and I know a lot of great voice actors. Yeah, oh, they're great voice actors, but no one can really do what kevin conroy did no i totally agree and um yeah like i said thank you for sharing that stuff as sad as it is he does still at least we have access to so much stuff that he did um and to him and you know uh, to be able to chat with all the guests that we have on the show and hear stories it's 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 wonderful to you know again it's like i hear new stories about him all the time from when when we have guests on and it's just that's really nice as well because it's something new to someone that means so much to me that i never got to meet you know so that's it's amazing to me to hear all of that stuff um so with um with everything we chatted about i mean (laughs) it's uh, yeah I, i hate to to end on that somber note but I suppose, um, like like always when we have guests on the show, we love to know what you're working on now. Obviously, we talk about Batman, and this was 30 years ago. So can you share what you're working on now, or is it all NDA hush-hush? 
Well, it's like right now, um, <laughs> I the the latest project I was working on was uh, God. I don't even know if I can mention the actors, but it's like it, you know, it, it was a it's a rated R uh, project. Okay, that uh, is uh, I was doing the pilot, and it's it's a it's a comedy animation. You know, um, yes, it's going to be animation, um, but okay. it's in the process of being sold right now. And it's like, I can, I was just, I suppose it's okay. I just said, you know, voice acting wise, it was with Anna Ferris and Owen Wilson. Oh, wow. Okay, great. And it's uh, pretty funny. I don't know if I'm really allowed to talk about even that much of it, but I'm not going to, I can't give away what the project is. That's, so I, I mean, again, I don't want to get you in trouble. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you, you say what you yeah. can say. And again, it's like, and I, like I said before, I was doing the, uh, the comic, the last, I did the, uh, Harlequin black, white, and red, the, mm-hmm. uh, new year's Eve episode of the, uh, of the tabloid edition, which oh, I don't, don't spoil know. this for me, Kevin. I haven't read it yet. Don't spoil it for me. I'm going to read it oh, all when it's all filled yeah, like, out. Okay. Well, the, the, but the new one is like, no, that, that was the, uh, black, white, and red. Oh, that's and not the new that, adventures. Yeah. yeah. And the new adventures. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. just did that one with. The, well, I'll probably read uh, the black, white, and red as well. To be honest with you, that sounds great. Yeah, no, it's great. Great scripts by uh, Alan Burnett, and it's like, and again, I'll go on us. It was such a good story that in you know doing comics, comics is a tough way to make a living if you're living in Los Angeles. <laughs> well, there's a reason that my brother is not talking to us right now because he yeah. works in comics and he knows. Yeah. I mean, I can hear him say, yelling yes miles away from me right now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, it's a tough, it's, but I mean, so you have to really love it. And all I'll say is, you know, Paul, you know, wrote this script and it's like, is there is there a female villain that you didn't include in this script? I mean, do I have to draw all of these characters? Right. And the thing is, it was such a fun script that it was a joy to just draw it. No matter how much work it was, it was, it was fun. It was, you know, fun. And I I just really enjoyed drawing Harley and, uh, you know, and, you know, and it's, and the last one I did with Alan Burnett, I won't tell you the whole thing, but I'll, it's obvious. All you'll do is when you look at the cover, you'll know. So I'm not giving away too much. Okay. But basically, it's Harley, you know, is kind of stuck at loose ends. You know, none of her friends are available, you know, to get together with. And she's lonely because she and uh, Ivy have had a fight. And she goes and looks up her old flame, the name of the story that's the title of it, the old, her old flame. Uh, who is her college roommate. Oh, yeah. Okay. Who was so Harley, you know, Harley and her were um, an item. Right. And she was also dating a young Bruce Wayne. What, the roommate was? Yes. Oh, man, don't tell me anymore. This sounds great. I want to read this. Yeah. (laughs) Like I said, I'm waiting for the entire thing because... Um, the one thing that like I, I started doing is I was getting so tired of waiting month to month with books that I love to read yeah. that I was like, I just need to wait. So yeah, no. yeah and, I, and that I'll sounds say, awesome. And it's like, and it, again, it's a, it's a Alan Burnett or I don't know who came up with the character of Cassie Kendall. Okay. But, that's, but I enjoy, I really enjoyed uh, coming up with my own, 
even though she's just a plain, you know, not a plain girl. She's a she's a socialite, you know. Yeah, she's not like a super villain in a in a no, costume. But yeah, it's yeah. like, but again, but she's mine. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, I can't wait. You've teed it up perfectly. You've sold me. I mean, not that I needed a ticket to be sold, but you sold the ticket. I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you spending this time and going through everything. I've I've learned a lot just by talking to you about episodes that I thought I knew so much about and turns out I don't know everything and other things. Um, I'll show I, you one thing. I'll show you like my foyer in my house. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. It's just loads of Batman action figures. And what's the picture? Oh, there's the Batmobile. Oh my God. That's awesome. So, you obviously are loving these new action figures that are coming out and there's Mr. Freeze. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's the original Mike Mignola. Wow. That's awesome. Damn dude. And you got man bat floating up. So I mean like, <laughs> Oh man, I mean, I, I feel like, you know what? I've got to have you back on when we come to review some of your episodes, <laughs> I'd love to have you back on man. And like pick your brain, particularly on, you know, the episode that we're reviewing and talk about the toys as well. Cause the toys were a big part of this show for me and my brother. Yeah. And um, we, we adored them. So I'd love to have you to come back on at some point. Yeah, no, I'm like, I'm a, I'm, I live in a yeah, I live in a toy shop pretty much. That's awesome. I love it, man. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? All right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that interview. Buddy, I just I want to talk about some things because it was a really great chat with Kevin. I loved it so much. Uh, the first thing was when he talked about getting the script for On Leather Wings and the villain being the man bat, which actually helped them with standards and practices because mm -hmm. it was a monster. So it was easier for them to sell like, hey, this dark, like toned comic that we're turning into a show. You know, this is the, this is what we're going with. But if it was a person, they would have had more problems with Batman like punching this dude or like you know mm. batman bleeds in this episode very briefly just, do you but i also feel like you know this show was made off of the back of the success of the tim burton movies like you can't deny that um and those were dark so do you think there was a little bit more like uh leniency in like a batman cartoon being a bit darker since the the movies are pretty fucking dark yeah i mean uh, granted only one of them had come out but obviously batman 89 yes. was was dark uh yeah. so yeah i think that definitely helped it the noir but also the horror themes of on leather wings you know they were mm. playing into like he was telling me we were going for hammer horror films like that's what on oh leather wings. 100 percent. yeah yeah you can, yeah. You can t totally see i mean yeah it's it's like going back and, uh, and watching any like classic like horror movie like from like the 50s or 30s or yeah or whatever and uh that's that's what makes the batman's this show special absolutely so yeah i just love that that's how they got on leather wings through standards and practices where like if we make it a monster yeah and it's like this horror theme then it's more acceptable rather than obviously it being a person and like some murderer or something uh, and I got to tell Kevin Altieri to his face, fuck you for giving me a childhood trauma for the man bat transformation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, and also he talked about like getting 
to design the look of the bat cave for the show and yeah. like the drawbridge the drawbridge entrance to the bat cave which they ripped off of Fleischer's superman he said like that's the exact same mm. drawbridge that you see um and he was talking about like the lengthy discussions they had over the grappling gun like the design of it how it would how batman would travel around how it would work like it's one of the best folly sounds ever when that when yeah. that i don't know what they used to make that sound but like the like oh it's so good i know it's amazing and imagine like getting to design all of that you know what i mean mm. like early on that's so cool he said that two-face the scripts the two-parter were the best scripts he has ever read since his time working in animation which is um it's really understandable. cool understandable absolutely yeah. and he shared with us that the the famous realistic rain in two-face part two was actually captured during a monsoon yes. season which is awesome that's, i love that. that's freaking awesome so he said it was captured with a 16 millimeter camera and it was over a light projection. And that's how they got that rain to look the way it did, which is so cool. And he said that it was used so many other times and so many people like requested it and stuff. That's really cool. So he helped come up with the design of the Mambat and the Ninja Coyote Ken. Those were two uh, different characters that he got to de- help design. But the one that he claims the most fame is Isis the Cat is Kevin Ortieri's creation as yeah. Bruce Tim didn't want to design a cat. And he's like, ah, that's Kevin, funny. Have that. Yeah. I love that so much. Did he do all the other cat, like the chunky one? What do we name that chunky one? Cotton bud. Cotton bud. <laughs> oh my God. That's so cute. Uh, yeah. Um, I Did didn't you get design me as well? <laughs> design so, me a treat, please. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he showed me, countless storyboards uh especially from the cat and the claw part one that whole opening sequence that we see in that episode from gotham city to catwoman yeah. climbing up the wall that is literally in the storyboards shot for shot what you end up seeing in the the episode oh, i love that it's very well done it's so detailed that opening sequence is just so much fun to look at and it's so detailed so kevin altieri he, what i loved most is that he loved Ra's al Ghul. As a kid, as a 13-year-old kid, he read The Demon's Head, parts one and two, and he was like, that's my Batman, the Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams Batman. And at 13, he even wanted to do a feature film or an animated mm-hmm. show of Ra's al Ghul. And it's like when, you when you were a kid and you're like, I'm going to animate all of the Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> you did like one panel of, and you're like, I'm done. <laughs> so what I love is that him being the Raish guy is when he came on board, he said to Bruce Tim, like, I'm on board, but you got to promise me. And this was like way early on. This was like on Leather Wings production. He's like, if we ever do Raish Al Ghul, it's mine. And Bruce Tim was like, all right. And even when Alan Burnett came on and Alan Burnett joined it, he was introduced to Alan by Bruce Tim and Bruce was like, This is Kevin Altieri, one of our directors. Um, just so you know, if we ever do Rachel Ghoul, it's his. Like that was like everything that was going into love this. It. I love it so much. And he not only got to do the Demon's Quest parts one and two, which was written by Denny O'Neill, which is so cool that they got yeah. him. Um but he got to do every single race episode that ever existed in Batman, the animated series. So he was really happy and proud of that. Like even that uh, episode, do you remember the episode avatar, which is a race episode. It had to do with Egypt and there's like a, yes. So that was like his, his one of his ones that he was like, that was hammer. Like that was our hammer horror, you know, that we put into that. And at the beginning, there's this like explorer archeologist 
And people have always thought it was a young Raish. Um, and when I watched it, I was like, I don't really see Raish. Turns out it's Peter Cushing. That's who it's supposed to be from all of his like... Awesome. Yeah, his old hammer. Well, so is Christopher Lee supposed to be Rachel Gould then? Oh, oh, oh my God, dude. If Christopher Lee, like in his Man with the Golden Gun days... Hello, detective. I mean, you sound like... Um, What's his name? Uh, Snape. <laughs> Hello, detective. <laughs> I, you know what? He'd be. A, he would be a good race. Though. He would Both be a good race. Be. Both of them would be. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't do a. Uh, and what's it? I can't even remember his name. Christopher Just, Lee. Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee. Nice yeah, timber. I, I couldn't do. I that. saw the last public hanging in, in France. <laughs> James Bond was based off of me. I'm a really interesting man. It's okay. It's getting better. Okay, I like it. I know what the sound of someone being stabbed is like, so I requested it to Peter Jackson when I got stabbed. Go <laughs> in a heavy metal band. <laughs> um, I love the old Hammer films. I really got into them last year, and I'll just say this: if anybody wants to see what I think is the best Hammer film, it's a little movie called Horror Express with. Peter Cushing and uh, Christopher Lee, and it's based it's based on the same story that the thing is based on. So if you like right. the thing, which everybody does, it's the thing on a train, and it's awesome. See, this is why. I mean, I, I know you couldn't come on this interview, but we've noticed through all of our guest interviews, ones we've had and ones we have yet to come that we already have recorded, um, they're all massive fans of these older films and mm -hmm. directors. And me, I've seen some of them, but you you have a, a a higher knowledge of all of these properties. So when you are... Yeah, because I love it too. Yeah, when you are on it, I, it's so funny because, you know, like uh, a guest we have coming up, one of the main producers of the show and had something to do with the Two-Face episodes, that's all I'll say, when he was talking about... Uh, Alfred Hitchcock and all these old films and you just come straight in with like oh yeah and this and this and this and I just love seeing their faces like oh shit this kid knows yeah. his stuff I ain't fucking around man yeah. <laughs> and then I'm just sitting there like yeah he knows his stuff <laughs> he went to film school he loves movies yeah because obviously my influences and this is what me and Kevin were talking about were if I were to ever make something, my influences would be like Batman, the animated series or yeah, India, Indiana Jones. Nothing wrong with that. And he's like, you know, it may have had Brendan Fraser mummy feel to Avatar or like Indiana Jones. But for me, those were like the old serials that Indiana Jones was based off of that I put into the, the episode. So I love all of that. It's the same like when I was just used to listening to music and I'd be like, oh, who wrote this song originally? Oh, Lightning Willie Lee Hopkins. Like, well, now I'm a big fan. I've listened to their whole back catalog. Like, I'm quite obsessive in that way. That and, sounds and... so made up. Like, that sounds like a nickname I'd give to you. Like, <laughs> Lightning. What was it? Lightning what? Lightning Willie Lee Hopkins. I think I combined <laughs> about three different names there. <laughs> That's like you looking around the room. You're like, my name is uh, <laughs> Lightning Willie <laughs> <laughs> Lee. Oh, this is a bunny rabbit hop. <laughs> Um, so he also uh, gave us the original title for the episode The Last Laugh, which he said was a problematic script. Um, he didn't go into too much detail why it was problematic, but the original title was The Joker, April's Fall, which is an interesting title. I mean, I guess because of April Fall's that would have worked, but I like The Last Laugh better. I think it's a better title. 
Going from director to writer, he created the story of Showdown and introduced Jonah Hex into the DCAU, which I think was awesome and a cool opportunity, and how that story came about. And again, it had some Wild Wild West influence, and him and Paul Dini were just like bouncing ideas, and they kind of drafted up a loose script right there on the spot when they were talking about it, which I thought was really cool. Um, and yeah, it's just... The, the amount of detail he's worked with Alan Burnett and Paul Dini recently. He drew some issues of the uh, Batman: The Adventure Continues comic. Oh, really? Yeah, some really cool stuff. And he told me that um, he was the one behind the the art for where Harley has a roommate that used to date Bruce Wayne, or had a roommate back in college that used to date a young Bruce Wayne. So I'm really looking forward to reading all of those. And his art is just so fantastic. He just cool. Yeah, he's a brilliant guest. He was great fun to talk to. So we hope you all enjoyed that. Um, we have another guest, a big guest coming up in a couple episodes. As I said, one of the main producers of the show. And it's not Paul Dini or Bruce Tim before people start theorizing <laughs> yeah. on that. We, we will let you know. If those yeah. Guys <laughs> yeah, we might let you know as we're talking to them if that ever happens. Um, but yeah. I'll probably miss those ones as well. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, Hammer movies. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I like sickle movies. <laughs> Peter that Cushing, was he joke. was in Star Wars. <laughs> That's the only movie I've ever seen him in. <laughs> yeah, and also The Sickle was a bad joke. Going back to no, no, it was. It was terrible. <laughs> I was like, am I missing a whole genre Hammer of movies? Hammer movies are fun, man. Come Halloween, chuck one on. It's just Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, like vampires and and mummies and, and Frankensteins. It's just a good time. Absolutely. All right, we're going to go into our only game of the day, which is Ace the Bat Sound. This is a game that we play with you, the listener. Each week I'll play a brief music clip from the show and you have to guess who the character is or the title of the episode that the music belongs to. The answer to each clip will be revealed in the following episode. Feel free to play along wherever you are listening right now. So last week we had this clip. And if you still don't know, here's a voice clip from that episode. You've raided your last chicken coop. Wait, wait a minute. We can make a deal. A million dollars to let me go. Ah! Ten million! Think about it. Buys a lot of batarangs. Your money's no good here. Okay, fine. Go ahead, take me in, hero. I've got every judge in town in my pocket. You'll see. I'll get justice, the best that money can buy. Right. Not many people will know this. I'll be very impressed if you do. Some hardcore fans out there might have guessed. But it's the music for The Terrible Trio, which is an episode, again, that we chatted with a guest coming up who may have written that episode but has never actually seen it, which is <laughs> pretty funny. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing The Terrible Trio again because it gets a lot of hate. And I'm thinking we like the ones that get a lot of hate. So yeah. when we get to that, we'll be good. I like an oh. underdog. Yeah, me too. And here's the musical clip for next week's episode where you'll have to name the episode that the music belongs to. Mm -hmm. 
All these songs that I've just heard when you first moved back to England and you were just like listening to the Batman the Animated Series soundtrack over and over and over and over and open door and over and having a poo over. Like it was just constant. That me and me and the, our mom would just be like in the background, like because you know, you know, they're catchy. They are catchy, and I mean, I used to listen to Joker's. She liked Favor. Joker's. Yeah, she loved that one. Yeah. Oh man, I used to listen to that in the shower. That's a great shower song, by the me way. And, me and our mom used to plunk around the kitchen, to... and we used to like stomp around. Like and make fart voices, <laughs> but I bet even though you know the diddly diddly which, which we just mm-hmm. had, I bet you can't name that episode. Batgirl? No, it's not Batgirl. We've had Robin? Batgirl already. Nope. It's a. Fuck yeah, you. It's not a character. It's the name of the episode. It's like a specific episode that doesn't really have a main villain in it. But that's all I'll say, and that's the clue for next week. So we'll reveal the answer next week. All right, it's our next segment. You've got mail. Oh, by the way, this came for you an hour ago by Messenger. You've got mail. Thank you, Alfred. This is a segment where you guys can write in and I collect all of your comments and emails uh, just from social media, from wherever you've been sending them. I collect them all. So first of all, we've got a review here from Nucos, which is a five-star Apple podcast review. Show is great. I enjoy listening when I'm at the gym. I'm sure people think I'm crazy, audibly laughing to myself. The Cat and the Claw episode had me rolling. Can't wait for more episodes. Oh, thank you, Nuko. So appreciate that. I mean, listening to us at the gym, that's uh, that's an interesting one. I wish I could get in shape by proxy from just like being a voice at the gym. (laughs) Well, they say you burn calories laughing. We do a lot of that. So, you know, that's a start. We're not exactly the poster people from... (laughs) For uh, losing calories by yeah. laughing. I laugh a lot. And what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I laugh so much that my big fat belly jiggles up and down as I do. We've also got another five-star Apple podcast review from Sal Bergerdum. Sal has said, my new must Sal Bergerdum? Sal Bergerdum. It sounds like Sal Bandini. Uh, how, what is the last name? Sal Bergerda. How do you spell that? B-U-R-G-U-D-A. Bagada. Oh, I guess it is Bagada. Thank you. But you Why were you... going like Sal Bagada. Well, it that's just how it came out of my mouth. Sal Bagada. It's probably not Bagada. Yeah. Sal Bagada. <laughs> uh, Sal Bagada says, "My new must listen as a." Massive... That sounds like a Star Wars name, right? Like, oh, it does. We must we must get the credits from Sal Bagada. <laughs> yeah. He's the most wanted b- bounty hunter in all the galaxies. Sal Bagada. <laughs> And Django Fett team up once yes. again. Yeah, I, I really like Sal uh, Bagada. Sinatious Crumb and Sal Bagada. <laughs> my favorite off-brand Star Wars toys. <laughs> anyway, guns. Sal has said, my new must-listen as a massive BTAS fan. Great hosts and episodes. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you, Sal. All right, next one. Lugawa. That's another Star Wars that's, sound. That, no, that's something a Star Wars character says. <laughs> Lugawa! <laughs> Lugawa! Lugawa! 
Salva Gerda said, Luke Auer! Suddenly... <laughs> yep, that is Star Wars. <laughs> Luke Auer on YouTube said, found you guys through TikTok. I've been wanting a BTAS rewatch for a while, and it's on Netflix right now. Where in the world is it on Netflix? Because I don't know. That's crazy. So he said, so I'm going to go through with you guys. Little did I know, I've got some of Will Robson's work right next to me on my desk. Joker, the man oh. who stopped laughing. Great stuff. Ah, yes. Some of my finest works, mate. I mean, yeah. Robocast. Isn't that crazy? Like, uh, listening to us there and then being like, oh, he's done stuff for DC. Oh, wait, I have one of his books right here. That's crazy. Yeah, all of us, yeah, I work for DC and, and I haven't since. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you might go back. Who knows? Yeah, if, if they offer me to write and draw a Batman book, I'm there, baby. Hell yeah. All right, next one. Unlikely Ally. Not Star Wars anymore, unfortunately. On YouTube. Unlikely Ally. <laughs> Look out! <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely Ally. Unlikely Ally has said, did I hear you say that you didn't watch Gargoyles? That surprises me with the other cartoons you liked at that era. Certainly some arcs and episodes are better than others, and it probably ranks below Batman and Spider-Man for me, but I think he would really like it. I know it's got its fan base. I know it's 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 very popular. It's just something that me and my brother just didn't didn't watch. get into. Yeah, we just didn't watch it. it was it no. wasn't on it wasn't something that uh, I don't know, it just didn't it didn't pull me in. Now I know that a lot of Batman and Spider-Man people also worked on that. Um it does pique my interest, but I think it's just too late for me at 36. I'm not going to dive into Gargoyles. Um but yeah, anyway, thanks for the suggestion. Uh next we have Dean Watkins. In the email, he said, hey, guys, just wanted to write in and say how much I love your podcast. Rated it five stars on Spotify, but it won't let me write a review, so I thought I'd send it here. Your episode reviews always make me laugh, and your guest interviews are always full of cool facts that I never knew about and just makes me love BTAS even more. Fun question for you guys. If there was another BTAS movie, who would you want the main villain to be, and what would be the story? I think a movie that does the BTAS version of Hush would be so much fun to see. Keep up the great work, and thank you. Beta's story um in a movie. Ooh, that's yeah, Hush, Hush is a good call. Go Hush. Yeah, Hush is actually a very good call. I would love to see that in, in I B-Taz. still like Long Halloween, but I just don't think that would ever work in, in the show. But, um I don't yeah. I think they did everything, right? Yeah, they've if done you want more than go read the comic. Exactly, that's true. Very good point, because they've done like Court of Owls and that and loads of other stories that um I've already seen in that style. But yeah, thanks for writing in, Dean. Really appreciate that. So if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever you're listening to us on right now as it helps us back grapple out the charts and attract both new listeners and guests. And if you leave a review, we might read it out on the pod. And please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform of choice if you haven't yet already. Also, you can follow us on social media at BatmanTASPod on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Threads. Oh, newbie. Everywhere but Twitter, which might go under, for all I know. So this segment might be changed in a few months. But where? Are, what are we known as on Twitter, buddy? Uh, Batman. Nope. Bat BTS Pod One. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Close enough. It's Batman TAS Pod One, and that's because why? Because we're the number one Batman the anime series. <laughs> And in the description of this episode, you'll find a tip jar where you can gift us any amount of money you can afford to give if you so wish. As we aren't billionaire playboy philanthropists, any amount you can afford to give us is not necessary, but always greatly appreciated. And finally, you can follow me everywhere at Chef Alex Robson, and you can follow Will on his socials to stay up to date on what he's working on now and get a glimpse into the workday of a comic book artist and writer. Will, where can our listeners find you? 
anywhere at Robson Inc. And that's Robson I-N-K or Speech Comics. That's right. Now, usually in this section, we'll do a what you put in your holes, but we haven't been watching much or doing much, have we? We've been really busy I, working. I, yeah, I had a movie night last night. I watched Red Eye for the first time, which was like a thriller by Wes Craven back I've in like seen 2005. That. It's fine. It was it was good popcorn movie. I, Brian That's Cox, with isn't the it? Scarecrow, isn't it? Yeah. You get stabbed in the throat by Rachel McAdams. Um, oops, yes. Uh, and, and then I watched uh, Collateral, which I haven't seen in like 15 years. and it was With great. Arnie? No, with uh, Tom Cruise. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. No, Jamie, Jamie Lee Foxx. <laughs> 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 I tell you about hey, that one. Jamie Lee Curtis would have been good in that role. Yeah, she would have. Um, but yeah, that was that was a good one as well. I was it was all right. It damage. didn't it didn't stand up as much as I remember it being as good. And I hate that when you're like showing your wife something, you're like, oh, I remember this movie. It was good. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's not available anywhere. I'll buy it and we'll watch it. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, I'm gonna watch no. this again. Yeah, Michael Mann directed that. Right, he had a he had a period in like the early two thousands where his movies were just big. And you go back and watch it now, and you're like, mm, not, they're not holding yeah. up as well. It's as fine. Remember. It's nothing wrong with it. It's it's a fine movie. It's just uh, a little long in the tooth. Well, the only film I've watched recently, because I've been doing a new pizza gig, and I've been very busy um, just rewatching a lot of old shows, so there's nothing to review that's new, except for I finally watched the film The Iron Giant. As you said, how have you oh, seen that? Oh, and did you cry? I fucking wept at the end. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's a to- it's. I know it's Vin Diesel does the voice as well. It's a total group rip. Like group rip that off is what I'm trying to say. I think you that's know? how he got the the uh, the role. Yeah, the role. It? But he's a total group anyway, buddy. When he flies up to that rocket and goes Superman, Superman. and has a smile like I'm doing the right thing. I'm actually tearing up right now, buddy. It's so emotional. It's a brighter passage. It's made everybody cry. Holy shit. Just remember, across the Arctic, those little pieces of the robot are pulling themselves back together. And he smiles at the end because he's still alive and, like... His all his peace are, oh, and the kid lets that one like little lug nut go. Oh my god, it fucking touched me. How, how have we never is, seen it? How good is the animation? I don't know how you've never seen it. It's an absolute classic. It is. You I know, I don't. Really, I don't really like family and kids films, but I, I'll rate that one because it's very, very good. It's very good, and the animation is incredible. Yeah, have you seen it, it so much? Did it make you feel a bit Christmassy? No. Why does it, it for you? It used to play a lot around Christmas time. So. Oh, I see. No, because it's mostly like in the fall or the summer, wherever yeah. they are in, in, in America. But there is a snow at the end, which well, I Good suppose. job. Check that off of the classics for wig to see, Liz. Yeah, I loved it so much. So, yeah, that's that was a real good one um, that I thoroughly enjoyed. All right. Is there anything you want to add before we jet off? If you go to speechcomics.com, all the links to buy my new book, Outbreaks, is available there. Awesome. All right. Well, that will be the link that is included below in this episode then. All right, well, that's all the time we've got for this week. Join us next time where we'll continue talking all things Batman, the animated series. And thank you again to Kevin Nortieri for coming on the show. Until then, I've been Alex Robson. And I've been Will Robson. And remember that we are vengeance. We are the night. We are a podcast. See ya. Doodles! Yeah, it was way too hot yesterday. It was gross. It was was Florida yesterday, baby. It was goddamn Florida. I know. I went went outside and even though it was like, it was like, it was sunny, but it was 
muggy like it was just oh it was the worst and those bugs everywhere like i'm gonna eat your skin baby and i was like no thank mm, you you're cooked and you're all wet and ready for me to suck <laughs> some horny bugs uh yeah and, i was dying under my my pizza tent i was dying and I, I was like, oh, I, I wanted to go like in my little uh, paddling pool that we both have now, the inflatable pools that we got for our garden, the absolute white trashiest like thing in the world. Hell yeah, baby! And the, my local birds have been using it as a freaking bird bath recently. Not the pool itself, but like the cover because it's rained, so there's been like a little like dip of water. I have that too. And- and I've had pigeons come out like, oh, this is nice, and like splashing around. Like, oh, I'm just going to take a poo on this. <laughs> and then just like, uh, I'm like, pigeons? Oh, I had I had a, I, that's so funny you say that. I had a pigeon in my garden this morning. This is the most English conversation we've ever had, yeah. by the way. <laughs> you had a pigeon in your garden this morning. But I have oh, one, it, and it was like sniffing around the pool. And I was like. Well, it's a mm. sport. I, I don't mind having them like a spot to drink. Like I put little bowls of water all around my garden so that all the animals can come and oh, well, have a drink nice in the you. summer. Well, most of my wife, she's the one that really does it. And you see them do it. And like you see, like when you see a little robin come down, he like takes a little slurp of water. You're like, oh my God. And then oh your, God. your dog's like, kill it. <laughs> yeah, well, they'll keep the door shut for that. <laughs> all right, are you ready to get the show on the road? I am. All right, let's do it. In three. Oh, I got a burp now. Fuck. I had Starbucks this morning. We had a cheeky Starbucks. Get to the podcast. I've got indigestion. No time for small talk. We just talked about pigeons. Okay. Three, two, one.